Hello, everyone, and welcome to our very first Calabasas City Council meeting of 2014. Happy New Year to everyone. Hope you had a wonderful holiday. Uh, the meeting is called to order. All five members of the council are present, including council members Lucy Martin, Mary Sue Maurer, James Bazajan, and Mayor Pro Tem David Shapiro. We will start our meeting with the Pledge of Allegiance. We have a very special guest to lead us in the Pledge of Allegiance tonight. She was the valedictorian of the Calabasas High School class of 2010 and uh, is uh, currently a uh, honor student at Cornell University in Ithaca, New York. And she is here visiting for the holidays and her name is Allison Gaines. Aww. So Allie, if you'd come up and lead us in the Pledge of Allegiance. Um, everyone, please rise. Uh, right hand over your heart. Ready, begin. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you. Thank you, Al. And Allie's mom, the president of our school board, is here. Jill Gaines, welcome. Okay, uh, approval of the agenda. Is there a motion on approval of the so agenda? Moved. Second. It's been moved and second. Any discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor say aye. Aye. The agenda is approved. We'll move to announcements and introductions, and we'll start with our uh, Sheriff's Crimes Report. <coughs> Deputy Robert DeSantis, Happy New Year. Thank you for being here. Uh, Happy New Year to you. First and foremost, uh, I'd like to introduce the new city of Calabasas liaison lieutenant, Lieutenant Mike Williams. He's Welcome. your new lieutenant. I'll be giving the report tonight. Okay. Oh, I could see this. Uh, we're giving the report for the month of November. Uh, due to the holidays, there was a delay in getting the statistics for December. So tonight will be November. And as you could see, the, uh, the change was very minimal as far as all the part one crimes. <coughs> uh, residential burglaries, there were three. There were four locked vehicle burglaries, four petty thefts, and three. And this is the area or the significant uh, locations where they occurred. Okay, some tips. We always tell everyone to be alert, and what we mean by that is know your surroundings, be aware of what's going on. If you see something suspicious, by all means, call the station where we can respond to the location and investigate what's going on. Report any suspicious activity immediately. Cars driving slow, unusual solicitors. What we mean by cars driving slow through the neighborhood, we call that casing the neighborhood. 
So at times you might see the same vehicle making circles around the same uh, cul-de-sacs or different uh, connecting streets. So maybe they're up to no good. We'd like to respond to the location, uh, pull the car over and see what it's, what's going on. Sometimes it could be an innocent person just looking for an address or sometimes it could be something else. But we'd like to know as soon as possible so the deputies can get there uh, quite readily before they jump on the freeway and they leave. Uh, lock your car, that's without saying. You should always lock your car. Even if it's in your driveway, you should lock your car. Uh, unlock cars, very easy to break into. You don't make any noise. They don't bring any attention to themselves. Uh, you know, when there's a locked car, they usually have to break the window or make some kind of a noise which would draw attention, at which time you know we can uh, probably get there and get them before they leave. Uh, don't leave your keys in your car, even in your garage. That's an important one. Everybody goes shopping, phone rings, you leave your car in the garage, the doors open, the keys are in it. You might just uh, lose touch of time or you might walk into your house for whatever reason and somebody, crime of opportunity, somebody walks by, sees the keys in your vehicle and might just get in and drive it away. It's a very rare occurrence, but why make it easy? So you want to lock your vehicle, take the keys out, um, I always tell people not to leave their garage open. When I'm out there and I'm patrolling around and I tell the other deputies as well, <clears throat> we try to encourage people to keep their garage doors closed. A lot of times, for whatever reason, people leave their doors open. <clears throat> they have all these significant tool, uh, tool boxes and golf clubs and all this good stuff uh, in plain view. And as you all know, the doors that connect into the house are from the garage. Nine out of 10 times, they left unlocked. So you wanna keep your garage door closed. Don't leave any valuables in plain view. Packages, shopping bags, etc. ladies' pocketbooks, sunglasses, anything change in your ashtray. If somebody looks inside your car, they might wanna get to it. If you don't leave anything in your car and your car is locked, no reason to go ahead and try to break into the car. Nothing to be had. Uh, lock your doors. We even tell people, and we do it ourselves, you know, lock your doors while you're driving. Keep your doors locked. This is not meant to be a scare tactic. It's meant for safety reasons. And if uh, by any chance somebody comes, to, uh, comes over to your door and you have to drive away and they try your door, the door is locked, they can't get to you. Same thing. Uh, as far as being alert when you park in front of your house day or night look around if you're inside your house look through the window kind of check around for your neighbors as well and if there's anything suspicious by all means call the station it doesn't have to be a 911 situation okay 911 we're there in an instant two to three minutes and we're going to be there if you think it might be emergent, then call 911. If it's not an emergency situation, we won't take you to jail for calling 911. But we'd rather be there than not be there. You know, a lot of times we get calls, well, we don't want to bother the deputies. It's, and it's 45 minutes later. Then we have no workable information. So we encourage everybody to call, even when they're not sure. We'd rather be safe. If there's any questions regarding the report, 
Deputy DeSantis, would you explain the, the vacation service that you provide at the station? Sure. We have a vacation uh, check that we provide. It's free. We encourage people to call. Uh, I usually take the calls or the desk would take the calls. Uh, if you're planning a vacation, you let us know in advance. You give us the date when you're going to be gone, if anyone's going to be in your house, or if there are going to be any vehicles in your driveway, and we will enhance the patrol at your location. The black and whites will go there, and sometimes our volunteer patrol will drive by looking for anything suspicious. Maybe the door's ajar, the window is broken. Uh, we don't uh, encourage people stopping their mail or their newspapers. You know, you might want to have your neighbors pick up your mail just in case somebody's watching. But it's free, and, it, and it's a good safety uh, tool for everybody to use. You know, we do this for all our contract cities, and it's, uh, people are very comfortable about that. So all you have to do is call the station, give us your name and your location, and how long or when you're going to be gone, and then we'll take care of that from there. Very good. Everyone should know that Deputy DeSantis and others at the station are available to come speak to uh, your homeowner association groups, organizations, even a, a coffee group of neighbors that want to have a neighborhood watch or talk about safety issues in their community, and they're, they're really wonderful about doing that. And I've attended a couple of those meetings this year, and it, Deputy DeSantis does an outstanding job. Thank you. And you get the whole history of the DeSantis family and the, some recipes <laughs> and the whole thing. So it's, uh, it's There very, are the phone enjoyable. numbers for your uh, Calabasas detectives. Uh, my phone number is 818-878-5507. That's my direct line. I'm in and out of my office all day. Sometimes I'm out doing something. You leave me a message, I will return your calls. Are there any questions or comments from other members of the council? Thank you very much. Thank you very much, and thank hey, you welcome. for all you and, and all the guys the, Pleasure. and gals at the uh, station do for us. Thank you. Okay. Uh, announcements and introductions, uh, and we'll start with Councilwoman Norton. Announcements and introductions? Happy New Year, everyone. Um, we have, you've heard me um, talking uh, for several months about a new program called Straight Up. It's a uh, reality party. It's good for, um, I would recommend middle school and high school parents to attend. We have one coming up January 5th. You can go on to their website, uh, straightupvc.org, to sign up. And it kind of gives you a wake-up call as to parties and things that are going on um, in your neighborhood that, uh, that the kids are attending and uh, what goes on. Um, I attended one last month, and it's, it's an eye-opener. So um, I would take advantage of that. Um, also, um, uh, just a, uh, a welcome to uh, Calabasas High School hired um, new head coach. <laughs> And uh, assistant coaches, uh, Rick Casey and Jim Clausen, just want to say welcome to them. And uh, I think there's going to be a new era in Calabasas football. So we want to get the residents and everyone excited and uh, to participate. So uh, thank you very much. Okay, Councilman Bazajan. Uh, it uh, publicity has just uh, been released for the annual Senior Congress. This is the 10th <coughs> Annual Congress. It's entitled Demystifying Senior Medical Concerns, What Every Senior Should Know. It's sponsored by the Conejo Las Virgenes Future Foundation. 
and it will occur on Wednesday, February 5th at St. Maximilian Colby Catholic Church in um, Westlake Village. It runs from 8.45 a.m. to 2.30 p.m. Free admission, limited seating, and lunch is provided. You do need to make reservations by January 25th, and I've asked the city manager, well, there's a note upstairs for him <laughs> for tomorrow when uh, to um, post this information on our e-news and on our CTV scroll. Uh, the Canal Las Virgins Future Foundation holds many annual events uh, for the community, and this the Senior Congress is one that's very well attended and well received every year. Uh, we hope that uh, if you're interested in it, you will attend. Okay, Councilwoman Mauer. I also wanted to wish everyone a happy new year. It's going to be another great year in Calabasas. I can tell by the energy in this room and what we have going on. Um, in the city, I want to give a shout out to the boys basketball team there in Westlake Village tonight playing um, one of our, our uh, major competitors. My son, who's part of the cheer squad, said he'd text me updates, and then he said he might fake the score. So I'm not <laughs> sure if I'll be reporting them or not, but uh, wish them the best of luck. Mayor Pro Tem Shapiro. Thank you, and a happy New Year's and a healthy one to everyone as well. Um, just wanted to announce a, a week from Saturday, the 18th, is Calabasas Day at Pepperdine Men's Basketball. Uh, anyone who would like to go can pick up free tickets at De Anza Park uh, for the Calabasas, I'm sorry, for the Pepperdine, I got stuck on Calabasas High, Pepperdine Men's Basketball game, which is Calabasas Day. It's free to everyone who wants tickets. Go ahead and contact Jeff or Marty at uh, De Anza Park for that. Also, um, the boys soccer team at Calabas High School, the coach wrote me and wanted to be here tonight, so I'm passing on. They are off to an amazing start this year. They're ranked seventh currently in the entire valley all the way to Camarillo, which has not happened in a long time. Uh, and they invite everyone, wanted to invite everyone to the homecoming game February 4th at 6.30 p.m. Uh, at Calabasas High School. <clears throat> and that's it thank you very much unless you have something okay thank you um, I would love for everyone to join me and to join us for the state of the city address that's coming up uh, one week from tonight next Wednesday at uh, 6 30 p.m. at Calabasas High School in the beautiful new performing arts education center there uh, we're going to have uh, a celebration, really, of uh, the achievements of Calabasas over the last year. We'll talk about some of the issues, and we're going to have some entertainment from Calabasas High School and some dessert and coffee afterwards. So it should be a very, very nice evening, starting at 6.30 at the Calabasas High School Performing Arts Center next Wednesday, the 15th, for the State of the City Address. Uh, I see a number of members from our great Calabasas Chamber here tonight, tomorrow morning. The Calabasas Chamber breakfast is at 7 a.m. at the Calabasas Country Club. Uh, the January uh, breakfast is sponsored by The Foundation, our Together Helping Education Foundation, and it should be a great event. And later this month, the annual Chamber Installation Gala that's coming up on Saturday, January 25th, and, I, and tickets are available through uh, the Chamber office. And while we're talking about business, one of the uh, one of the gifts to the mayor over the holiday season was the new restaurant in the uh, in Old Town, the Six, 
I've already been there twice, and uh, I thought it was great. Nurge everyone to get over there. This is in the old Gaetano's Guido spot, right smack in the middle of Old Town. Uh, and things are hopping over there with Peddler's Fork and uh, uh, Banzai Sushi and, and the Six and the Anza Hotel. Uh, running at good occupancy, so a lot of great things going on there, and I urge everyone to support our new uh, businesses. With that, uh, that concludes our announcements and introductions, and we'll move to oral communications and public comment. I have several cards, and um, I will, if you do want to speak during public comment, please uh, fill out the uh, cards that are in the back and hand them to the city clerk. Tonight I have a rash of people not wanting to put their name on the cards. You do need to put your name on the card uh, and uh, so that I can call you to the podium. And we'll start. We welcome uh, from the Las Virgins Municipal Water District Board, Barry Steinhardt. Welcome, Barry. Thank you. Mr. Mayor, Mr. Mayor Pro Tem, council members, and to the great city of Calabasas, best wishes for the new year. Tonight I've come to talk about the water tank that is proposed in the Three Springs area of Westlake Village. Quite a bit of information has gone out for and against, and many of you have been at times questioned about the rates at our water district. Why are they so high? Well, I will tell you at this moment, we have some of the lowest water rates in the area but our sewage rates are mind-boggling high. So when you see that one bill, we do have overall one of the largest bills in the entire area. We have a situation where a backbone, it's called the Backbone Improvement Program, was designed many years ago. And this improvement program included refitting pipes in the area that were getting old, working on the filtration plant system, and a projected need for a water tank to have, at that time they said, talked about a couple million gallons of water, they've increased to three million, now it's over five million. When it became five million gallons, that tank was projected to cost five, excuse me, about, yep, five million dollars. It then rose to seven million dollars. It's over nine million now, it'll probably be 11 million when it's built. The purpose of this water tank is if the Metropolitan Water District shuts our water off, our connection off for whatever reason, it happens to be the hottest day of the year. We happen to have the highest consumption of water during that time. And we have several major residential and commercial fires going on at the same time. And I'm not talking about brush fires. Brush fires are something that we do not take into account because we have scoopers that come in into a reservoir and take water. If that scenario happens, which has never happened in the history since this district has been around over 50 years, then we would have to take water from our reservoir. Now, just to let you know, it'll be the hottest day of the year. From May to October, our reservoir is pumping out water through our filtration system 24 hours a day, seven days a week. The purpose of the five million gallons is to supply clean, fresh water through the system and it will eliminate the water from the reservoir coming in if it's not treated. 
It takes, they say, about eight hours to treat, get the filtration system up, treat the water, and get it out to the public. However, the problem is we've got that system running. What do we need five million gallon tank when we have three billion gallons, gallons of water there running during that whole period? I've been trying to figure out, I cannot get answers why we need this. We were told it's because of fire safety. Well, we get fire personnel into our meeting. We ask point blankly, I do, are you telling us that our fire flow does not meet standards? Well, um, no, I want to know yes or no. Do, does Las Vegas Municipal Water District have a problem with our fire flow? And the answer is no, we do not. Now, if the water comes from the reservoir untreated, you might have a situation where you have to put a boil water order out, and that would last maybe three days. If we don't build this tank, we could use the, water, the money to take care of rate increases that we've been having and continue to have, which are over 25%. But we are projected over a five-year period from 2013 to have over 45% rate increase in the water alone. This was done by Reftelis Financial, who came in and did our study. I asked the question, if we put the money towards that use, what would happen? And we wouldn't have a rate increase. We'd also have money to put in conservation. We also have to be concerned about 20 by 2020, which we have to conserve 20% of our water by the year 2020. Barry, I'm going to ask you to wrap up the comments. Okay. Um, just to let you know, I would ask that maybe you communicate. Maybe people show up, we're having a meeting on the 14th, where they're going to award the contract. We need to put a pause on this. We've had many suggestions come in at a million dollars to take care of what they perceive as a problem. We need to stop, think about this before the rates go up over 45% in this area and you're going to really hear about it. But thank you very much for allowing me to speak tonight. Thank you, Barry. Okay. okay, next we have the Rock Life Youth Board, which I believe are actual people who have names but did not put them on the card, but that's okay. And you can introduce yourself, please, at the microphone and... Hi, we're the Rock Life Youth Board. I'm Shay. I'm Tiara. I'm McKenna. And I'm Devin. And on behalf of the Rock Life Youth Board and Xavier Artists, we'd like to just take a moment to say thank you to the City Council, the Mayor, and the City Manager for supporting us. And our goal for 2014 is showing our youth community how to rock life. We would love to have your continuing support. Thank you, have a good night, and rock life. Rock life, thank you very much. Was a, one of the highlights of last year was the kickoff of the rock life program and, and some of the great work and anti-bullying work that they're doing. So thank you very much, we appreciate it. Next is Bonnie Mulholland. Some people don't know, she is the sheriff of the Calabasas Chamber. 
And now that the sheriffs have actually left, you're the sheriff. We're left Thank with you. Uh, you in Thank case, you. Uh, Happy, New, Happy New Year, everyone, um, especially the mayor, Mayor Pro Tem, city council members, wonderful city people. I am speaking, my name is Bonnie Mulholland, and I am speaking on behalf of the Calabasas Chamber, but I want to thank the mayor for our announcements ahead of time. But I'll just reiterate that uh, we do have our breakfast tomorrow morning. Everyone in this room is invited. Please come. It's fabulous. And we also have our board installation dinner coming up on January the 25th at the uh, Four Seasons Westlake. It's gonna be $100 a person. It's gonna be a great evening. It's the installation of our 2014 board members. So really, please come. It's a, a great opportunity to meet many, many people still from Calabasas. And I wanna thank you personally on behalf of the Chamber Mayor for all of your support and the City Council this past year. We've had an amazing 2013, and I think 2014, along with the help of all of you is going to be an amazing year so thank you so much before you go tell us about the bowling tournament i'm looking out at the audience oh, i see yes, a lot of people I, I look like they're big time bowlers to mention that that's february the 28th and it's teams uh you can do it with uh four friends four uh people from a company and uh, it's a lot of fun and i don't know bridget have we decided where the venue is going to be where is it okay so please call Bridget Carl at the chamber. She'd be happy to uh, take your team, and uh, it'll be a lot of fun. So I hope you can participate. So thank you so much. It is a really fun event, and I think we're going to have a city council team. <clears throat> oh, yes, and I'm sorry. And all of the funds that are raised that night go to uh, the scholarships for the Calabasas um, high schools. So was I wrong? Yeah. <laughs> Mary Sue, you putting together the bowling team? I am putting together the bowling team, and I know a couple of you are interested. You responded, but frankly, I don't think you'll make it. Now that's. Uh... <laughs> well, I, I'm it... looking for ringers who have played in leagues. Forget Any that. city staff who have played in leagues previously, please contact me. Thank Didn't you. you see me practicing my bowling at Dodger Stadium this summer? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, our next speaker is, and I hope I say the name right, Alicia, Alicia Bell Aliziz. Alicia, welcome. First of all, Happy New Year to everyone, and I hope you all had a wonderful holiday. Um, Thank you for allowing me to come out to speak. This is my first time. Uh, and I've been a Calabasas living right here for about almost 20 years. And my husband is a physician. He knows, uh, Dr. Aliziz, and he's been here for 30 years. So we have seen the city grow. And wanted to say, as a preference to say that I love Calabasas, we love Calabasas. I'm here um, today because on, also I met with the Vista Point HOA yesterday on December 13th, uh, a coyote came into my kitchen and took my dog. And um, it's unsettling because he has marked my territory, his territory on my deck, on my deck. Um, I live behind the golf course and near the canyon. I notified my neighbor as well, and he has come back. They have small grandchildren. He's been stalking, uh, and he continually do the, doing this. I lost my dog on the 18th. She was a member of our family for 11 years. 
He is still coming by. He was by um, Sunday night. It's caused, of course, a cost of a tremendous stress on the family. I have used various methods and done studies, and I looked at your coyote pamphlet here. Um, nothing's working because I have done everything, and I don't know what else to do. So I'm looking to council member, and so is Vista Point HOA, because we used to take the coyotes and move them a little further out or take them a little further away. Now they're so brazen. I mean, to come in my house, um, it's very unsettling and uh, we still haven't gotten over it. And I just personally, my husband and I, we've lived here long enough and it's just like we're not gonna live in fear. And so I'm coming to our council members. Um, I am a animal lover, I've been an animal lover uh, since I was a kid. I've gone on safaris. I have a skincare company where I believe in no cruelty to animals. I am a member of the Humane Society and I'm trying to see if I can work with you to come up with a solution. Um, this is brazen, um, and it's a shame that I have to sit out. Went before, because I noticed that he had marked his territory on my back door, French door, I don't have a doggy door, that I have to sit in the backyard with a machete and a bat. He is also, these coyotes are so bad now, um, there is a physician, she's an ER doctor on Hermosilla, that's where we live. She was chased by two coyotes because she had her dogs and they corralled on her front door. This is so brazen. Our children under five, our grandchildren under five are not safe. And this is a beautiful community. We love Calabasas and I'm hoping that we can find some kind of resolve because the matter is, it's got to control. So I've reported it to the sheriffs, animal control, and the fire department is willing to assist me as well. So if you have any suggestions, I don't want this to be a child. This is my Chanel. I don't want this to be a child. Okay, thank you so much for your time. And if you can give any suggestions, great. Well, thank you very much for coming. I'm sorry that you're having uh, these problems. Sorry for your loss. Uh, what I'm gonna do, it's not really the forum here to get into details, mm -hmm. but I'm gonna have the city manager himself or one of our staff people contact you and uh, follow up and uh, see if there's some additional assistance that we can provide. Okay, so I I'll, do have your information here. Okay. Uh, uh, just very quickly, your HOA can, can take care of this. Well, they're gonna be looking at, um, and, and they told me and, to follow up with them as well, because yeah, we met but, last night. But every HOA is a private property of the HOA. Our ordinance on coyotes that does not prohibit the HOA from taking action on their private property or individual residents. We're going to be taking, using capture. They, they, can, they, can, they, can bring some, they can bring a trapper in and do whatever. That's what they're going to be looking at doing, okay. and starting with our, our area and, first. And we could not use public money on private property anyway, which is the property of the HOA. So, they, I'll, but I'll talk to you and I'll right. in my car. Well, what about in the canyons? I mean, as far as, but we'll talk more about that later. Right. Okay. Thank you, and Tony, thank you for bringing that up, and I'm, I'll have you follow up with. Uh, yeah, my email on is card. on there, yes. Very good, Alicia thank you so much. at gmail.com, thank you. Okay, uh, the last card from public comment is from the name Ravenous Catalyst, which is a very exciting name. But I, we're going to ask you for your real name when you come to the uh, podium. Um, and for the Brown Act, I don't have to give it. I don't mind. My name's Sarah Stevens. But uh, for when I speak in public, I just feel like Ravenous Catalyst has more of an impact than just attaching that to it. Um, the, um, I usually go and speak at LA City Council meetings uh, out here. 
you guys do do a great job. There's not a lot of uh, conflict or things that are being oppressed upon people. So I find that maybe that's the way to reach out to find, give inspiration or to have inspiration come from this place. Um, I'll just, quick things. I, I know there was door-to-door -door solicitors were worried about burglaries for a while when you're talking about the crime uh, and what to do about that. If you set up even just like a voicemail line where people could call and say, hey, you know, two guys came by my house today. Uh, they said they were from a solar company, no logos on their shirt. Uh, if a crime happens, you can go back and check that phone log and be like, oh, these people were in the area that day, that type of thing. Um, uh, also, I think if you guys, I, I would do it for free, but set up a website uh, to where you could use the voters as your commissions, as your task force. That's where you could get the suggestions where people would propose ideas, the voters would vote on them, and then those, the top two would become agenda items, and that way the agenda items could also be known to the public. Uh, we could kind of, it would allow us more empathy with our public officials, uh, where we could then say it's more our fault. Uh, we could have some of the, what if we ever did this, uh, we could have it played out to where, it, you know, those types of things eat at people. If you're never like, oh, if only they would do this, if only they would do this, it allows more of a direct route for the public to be like, we did that, and then if it falls apart or if it does something good. Uh, just a few things that people are struggling with vo voter participation, people are struggling with uh, safety in the community. Uh, the coyote thing, I believe, there's some sort of a urine that you can spray around your thing, it's not, it's not working. Sorry about that. <laughs> uh, but there are so many new industries and innovations that are coming out now uh, with, <laughs> I started talking about hemp about a year ago because, which was never on my radar, it was not something I looked into, uh, but 80% of the things we make with plastic can be made with hemp and not processed. Uh, the hemp, once we start growing it, which the legislator said we could, uh, once you start utilizing that, it will bring in people who are doing innovative things. It will bring in people who are attempting new ideas into the area, even if hemp isn't the way you go, uh, to try and look at Things, I mean, cement and concrete uh, for infrastructure, bridges, cement fails in 40 years. Uh, hemp is supposed to last hundreds. Uh, it's mold resistant, it's flame retardant itself. And you do use cement in the brackets and woods, but there's just a lot of cool ideas. The committee thing, I would do the website. I'd have it done in a month. You'd pay one person, a website designer, to do it in a month. You never have to pay committees or task force again. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right, that concludes our. Uh, public comment. Uh, we have before us the consent agenda. Is there a motion on the consent agenda? So moved. So moved. It's been moved and, Second. and Second. seconded. All those, any discussion on the consent agenda? Seeing none, all those in favor say aye. 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 The consent agenda is adopted. We move to our special presentation, Aging in the Community of Calabasas. Are we ready for that? Very good. <coughs> What do you want to do in the No, um, Mary Sue, would you like to uh, to introduce, uh, who's gonna, is, is there someone to introduce the program? Oh, Mary Sue from our. Oh, 
Well, while she's setting up, I just wanted to say a few things about Dr. Daphne Gans. Um, she's been, she is a, a Calabasas resident with children, um, very active, uh, professor at UCLA, and I'm sure she'll give you more information about that. Um, an active volunteer who, with her very busy schedule, has um, been kind enough to help us on our senior task force, and we really appreciate it. So this presentation will give the rest of you an idea of what's going on in our city and what we should start thinking about and ways of preparing um, for our aging community. So welcome. Is it okay? Can do I need to it'll, talk to the microphone? Or? Yes. It'll be oh. better if you if you're closer to the microphone. Okay. Okay. So good evening, everyone, and thank you so much for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, thank you for the introduction. Um, what I wanted to talk about today is aging in the community in Calabasas, and um, specifically talk a little bit about what has been going on in Calabasas, but also beyond Calabasas. And what we've seen in the past 30 years, or actually 50 years, is the, what we call the longevity revolution. We have gained in the past uh, century, since 1900, we have gained 30 years to our life expectancy. So a child born in 2011 is expected to live on average <laughs> about 80 years, whereas a child who was born in, in 1900 had 30 years less to live. So this is a very dr drastic and dramatic population shift and change, uh, which is affecting the demographics in the US, actually around the world, um, and specifically in the state of California and in our community in Calabasas. So when we're looking uh, to the future, we actually see that by 2050, the population of individuals over 65 or 65 and older will more than double. And the population of individuals 85 and over will actually more than triple. So we're looking at a very uh, drastic increase. If you see the white line represents the entire population 65 and over, and then it's, distributed, it's, it's defined in smaller groups uh, which, with the fastest growing group, those who are 85 and over. So this is really a dramatic shift that we are experiencing and we're living through um, in our society. Another way to look at it is that it's not only the number of people who are aging, but it's also the percentage of people who are older within the population. So not only did we gain longevity due to decreased rates of, of death, both in childhood and in adulthood and old age due to medical um, developments and technological developments, but we're also seeing some decline in fertility. So we have less children and more older adults, and the percentage of older adults is growing in general in our society. And that has an effect on every aspect of life. So currently we have about 40 million older adults in the US, which is about one in eight in the population. But by 2040, we're looking at 20% of the population in the US who will be over the age of 65. That's one in five individuals. This is currently what we see in Florida. So if you've been to Florida and you notice that there's a larger percentage of people who are older, this is how the entire United States is going to be. Now if you think about it, when you think about Calabasas, 
and I could have asked you before I put this slide, um, we tend to think of Calabasas as a young city because Calabasas is known for its wonderful school district, um, it's known for the wonderful extracurricular activities, parks and recreations of the city, um, and of course the wonderful lifestyle, and it attracts young families. But the, the truth is that families who have come <coughs> here potentially for these reasons are actually interested in staying. So people are aging in Calabasas. And if you're looking at the chart, the, the, the main thing to look at is that 27% of the population is over the age of 55 in Calabasas, which is the same percent if you're looking at those who are under 20. So we're not just a young kids uh, community. We really have a lot of people who are aging. 13% of Calabasas, which is exactly the percent that it is in the United States and pretty much this the average for our state, are already over 65. And there's another 14% who are going to, be, to turn 65 in, in the next decade. And of course, we are all affected by the baby boomers, um, those born between 1946 to 1964, who are all aging at the same time and will not pass on Calabasas. So Calabasas is aging just like the rest of the country. So why should we care? Why do we need to worry about this? And you know, looking at this room, we have a lot of people who care. We have all the wonderful savvy seniors who are doing a fantastic job in the city. Um, but everyone should care about this because if, if you don't get excited about charts and graphs like I do, most people don't, uh, let me show it to you in a different way. So this is what, and, and you would appreciate it, uh, Robert Yalda, I think. Uh, right now, the city has a lot of signs that talk about children crossing, right? We have new ones next to Calabasas High School and in our neighborhood. And very soon, what we're going to see is signs that will show older adults and will say elderly crossing ahead. And this is, these are actual signs that are seen in other cities. So it's uh, all joking aside, this is truly, truly what we're going to see. And it, it will affect every aspect of the city, which I'll talk in a second a little bit more about. Now what we want to see, and I'm a gerontologist working with geriatricians who are physicians who take care of, of older adults, we always say that it's a joke that we have, that we want to see everyone live to 100 and then die by a shot by a jealous lover. <laughs> which really means that we want to see people live a very healthful life. So those 30 years that we gained, those, that gift that we got of 30 years over the past century, what we really want to do with it is make sure that people age healthfully in an active way, that people spend as many of those years as possible in good health, without disability, and with, to the degree possible without disease. And to do this, we always tend to look at individuals and say, well, it's really your lifestyle and your finances, and all of those, um, all of those are correct. Definitely behavioral determinants make a, a big difference if you smoke if you act, or do not smoke, if you exercise, if you eat healthfully, this will affect it. Also personal determinations, your um, attitude will affect your aging process. Um, your economic determinants, definitely, if you save enough, you'll be in a better shape than if you didn't have the chance to do so. Social determinants, but it's not only the individual. Not everything that leads to successful or healthful or active aging is dependent on the individual himself or herself. So when I was preparing this presentation, I kept thinking about this phrase that we all know, it takes a village to raise a child. So today I want to actually convince you that it takes a village to age well. And if you remember one thing from this presentation, please remember that. It takes a village, or in this situation, a city, to age well.
So let's talk a little bit about what it means to age in place or aging in the community. So aging in place is the ability to stay in one's home or community even when one is facing health and function challenges. And why do we want that? Why do we want to um, have people stay in the community? Well, if I asked a show of hand, I bet no one in this room would say that as, when they become frail and need help, they would like to be in a nursing home. Am I right? Um, most people in, in every uh, society, especially in the U.S., value independence and would like to stay at home in their community surrounded by family and friends. So it's preferred by most people. It's also shown to, to improve well-being of, of older adults and caregivers. It's less costly than institutional uh, placements. And most importantly for a community, older adults contribute to the community. So we're not just talking about caring for older people. We're really talking about including older people in our society and enriching our society with the wonderful resources that older, wise people bring with them to the table in, in various ways, volunteering, uh, working, because a lot of older adults still work in the community, doing everything they can in terms of mentoring, intergenerational relationships, and so on. The concept of livable communities actually talks about how cities should really think about how they make their physical, social, and economic infrastructure such that they will, that every, every person, no matter what age and no matter what disability they, they have, can enjoy a high quality of life. And really those physical, social, and economic infrastructures of cities and towns can either promote or hinder all the residents' ability to age in place. And we're very lucky to be in the city of Calabasas where a lot of those features that promote this kind of living already are here. We mostly have safe and walkable neighborhoods, transportation options, safe driving condition, emergency preparedness. But a livable community also needs to really pay attention for older adults to offer healthcare, supportive services, general retail and service, healthy food, and social integration. Social integration and social support is actually extremely important. In fact, social isolation is as big a risk factor in some diseases, including heart disease, as smoking is, which is pretty shocking for people who are not familiar with that concept. So an age-friendly city, which is what we would like to create, really involves all the different pieces of, of or departments of the city. It involves housing, transportation, social participation, outdoor spaces, spaces, building, community support and health services, communication and information, civic participation and employment, and respect and social inclusion. So let's think about healthy, healthy aging in Calabasas. How can we do it here? So we already have done a lot. Um, when we think about aging in a city, again, this is another way to look at it and looking at the three, sort of the, the left side of this chart, we need to think about housing options, transportation, safe neighborhood, community supports and services. All of this will lead, along with these individual factors, what individuals choose to do within that, will lead to aging in place, which we know will affect the well-being of our residents. So we already have done a lot, the Savvy Seniors, who are in, many of them are in this room, have developed a wonderful program with over 75 choices of classes, lectures, and day trips, and there are over 
1,400 people participating in those activities, and I'm sure that um, these are seniors attending these activities. I'm sure there's more by the time that I'm speaking now, since the last time I checked. The city also had a, a wonderful senior task force, which involved um, all the stakeholders from the city. And the new se senior center, as a result of the senior task force, is on the drawing board and will be discussed further today. Uh, there's also links to senior services on the city website so that people, uh, older adults, have direct access, very easy access that is um, available to them, that they can access a lot of services. And there are other services that are available in the city that can benefit people of all ages. But what I would like to say today, along with my uh, notion of it takes a village to age well, is that I think we're not done. I think this is just the beginning. It's a wonderful beginning, and the city should be really commended for taking this um, move into building a, a senior center where all of these wonderful activities of the active uh, older persons in Calabasas can take place. But we need to think further. We need to think in a long-term um, in a long-term way because even though we only have 30% of our population that is over 65, we're going to have a lot more who are aging. And those who are 65 to 74 right now will become older and will become older old, which is the 85 plus where we do see more uh, frailty, we do see a little bit more illness, and there will be a need for more services. So I would like, what I would like to recommend today and is to call for action for um, the council members um, and to ask that uh, you consider instituting a commission on aging for the city of Calabasas. And uh, the commission on aging should represent all of the stakeholders. It should have representatives from city officials, city departments, community members, local community-based organizations, local healthcare providers, local businesses, everyone who has a stake at um, our city. And the aim, what it needs to aim to do, is to prepare and recommend to the city council a comprehensive long-term plan for an aging Calabasas. What is it that we need to start thinking about now so that we can be prepared for our aging city and develop practical means for putting the plan into effect? So I'd like to quickly acknowledge all the people who are involved in this um, in the work that was done so far by the city um, with regards to aging efforts. And uh, please feel free to either ask, I don't know if we have time for questions now, but I have my um, information here so you can uh, contact me at any time with any questions. Thank you very much. Thank you. Do we have any questions or comments from the uh, council? Um, Mary Sue? I just want to thank you, Dr. Gans. I think you can see why um, we are so grateful that she is a part of our city and has stepped forward to help advise us. I think your suggestion is timely. Um, we do need to look beyond the senior center and look at how we can make this the, the best age-friendly um, city that we can. And so we you know, at some point, maybe we could put this on the agenda for further discussion since it's not an action item, but I, I, I would agree that I think that uh, as we move forward, we need to look at all the other aspects of living in a, uh, a city where we can age and stay at home. Thank you. Thank you. Mayor Pro Tem Shapiro. Thank you. I just want to thank you again, not only for your report, but for your work uh, in 
helping us all see a different aspect and different views that we might not otherwise uh, have the opportunity. And also ask if a copy of this, I know it'll be online, but if there's a, a possible hard copy that could be provided or available, maybe even the library as well. Of but course. thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, we're going to move on with the agenda. And lo and behold, the next item is a uh, recommendation by the Senior Center Task Force to find Pankow as the best qualified firm for the design and construction of the Calabasas Senior Center and authorize staff to enter into contract negotiations. Do we have a staff report on this item? I just have a brief staff report. I want to thank you for uh, Daphna, Dr. Gans, again, for that report. And uh, we're building a senior center. So it's a, the next step in our process. Uh, I am going to introduce some representatives of PANCO in, in a few minutes. But I do want to give a brief recap just of our RFP process and how we got to the point we are tonight. Uh, as you know, the senior task force has been working for several months. And during that time, uh, we prepared an RFP request for proposal. Um, and that was uh, put out to the community and uh, firms on October 4th. Uh, they got 30 days to respond to the RFP, and we received nine submittals, which we were really excited about uh, at that time. Uh, they looked similar to uh, PANCOs. I mean, they were uh, all in a nice bound book. Uh, they went through all of the um, criteria that was outlaid in the RFP. The senior task force then assembled a selection committee uh, which consisted of uh, Ed Albrecht and Carol Davis, uh, Mayor Pro Tem Shapiro, uh, Council Member Maurer, uh, myself, and uh, Community Development Director Maureen Tamori. Uh, we also had uh, the City Manager uh, sit with us on that, and we had Kevin Jones uh, from Jones & Jones Construction as a uh, construction manager to give us some guidance. Uh, we each uh, looked at those proposals individually, uh, we came to the uh, same conclusion when we met. Uh, the three firms that really raised to the, the top were uh, Panco, Bernard's, and uh, KPRS. Those three firms were interviewed on December 16th after um, a, a two-week period in which we uh, provided the interview questions to them. Uh, the task force uh, worked on those interview questions. And at the conclusion of those interviews, it was very uh, clear that uh, Panco stood out from uh, from the other firms and we feel very comfortable in bringing them forward uh, for you to meet tonight and we are then obviously requesting that uh, we can move forward with some contract negotiations with that and I do have uh, Brad Whitaker that I'd like to uh, bring up from Panco and he can uh, just introduce himself and a few people from the firm and just talk about a little bit of their philosophy. Thanks, Jeff. Good evening, uh, Mayor, Mayor Pro Tem, Council Members, and City Manager. Again, my name is Brad Whitaker. I'm a project executive with Panko Builders, and we're very pleased to be here today to, uh, you know, to discuss this very you know, important and great project. I'd also like to introduce Harry Drake, who's with Gonzales Cadell. Um, he's our project manager and architect. Uh, we have a long, uh, healthy relationship with Gonzales Goodell, uh, designing comparable design-build projects. Currently, we're designing a design-build project for La LaSalle High School in Pasadena. And Harry's going to talk a little bit about some of the work that they've done for senior centers. Good evening. Um, in addition to the uh, other work we're working with Pankel, I brought other examples of our work, including the Simi Valley Senior Center the expansion and renovation that we completed 
think in 2006 or 2007, and the work we did at the Diamond Bar Community Center and Senior Center, very similar site to what you have. The other board is our very conceptual presentation that we had at the interview of our concept for your senior center, including the beginnings of some site plan options. We're very excited to work with you and the senior task force. We know that you've done a lot of work and we're ready to start putting pencil to paper, although right now I think is CAD work on computers, but um, you have done a lot of work and we're ready to begin the design and collaborate. It takes a village to age well, it takes a village to design a good senior center. Thank you. Do, uh, do any of the council members have any questions for staff or for the uh, awardee? Based on the written report too? Yes. I had one question in reading it over and I, I, I'm sorry I didn't mark it so I don't know exactly where it is, but there was a mention of constructing facilities that would be open after hours like outside restrooms or something like that. Yeah. <clears throat> what, is, that is that set that we're doing that? Because I think there might be you know, some maintenance concerns and uh, depending on what you're going to put out there. Yeah, that was just briefly uh, put into uh, the RFP process when we were looking at uh, portions of the facility and we put in there that uh, the task force, uh, one of the recommendations that they brought forward was to look into uh, one restrooms, restrooms around this facility, especially when city halls close or library, uh, is a difficult. Uh, there's no restrooms that are available. So we talked with the senior task force about having outside access uh, into the restrooms into the senior center. So if the senior center was closed, uh, the restrooms could be open from the outside, just like we have at the parks, and then maintenance um, and or security closes those. So it was just something that was briefly discussed at the uh, task force. But uh, again, as we sit down and talk about the design, we'll see how that flows. Yeah, you know, I'd like to keep an open mind on that because there could be some security concerns. Um, we don't, I mean, someone's going to have, you know, you're going to have to have people watching. Um, you, there, there are some concerns in public facilities when you do that. And uh, I, I just, when I was reading it, I'm assuming all this is going to be gone over again and it's not set in stone. So that would be my, I, I would ask that we review that particular aspect among others. Any other comments? Um, I just wanted to, to follow up on James. What would be the purpose of having access to a bathroom from outside if the senior center and city hall is closed? Why would we have people back then? There's, there's various times where we're doing uh, programs on site that we may not have access to City Hall, whether it be the uh, Art and Craft Festival, whether it be some of the, the programs that we allow for uh, the schools to utilize the, <clears throat> the parking lots and stuff. This way, the restrooms would be able to be opened, but nobody would be able to have access into the, um, the senior center. So that was just one of the ideas uh, that we had. And, the, and there was also the thinking that the plaza area here is people are there Saturday and Sunday when the city hall is closed and right now the only bathrooms are the ones in the library. So if somebody is just in the plaza sitting around doing homework or in a computer or something, then, then it might make sense to, to, to give access to a bathroom at the senior center. Of course, we would lock the other door so that there is an access through the bathroom into the senior center. 
So and so that, but that that was an idea, and we and we put it on the. I, my reading of it was a little bit different. The, in the report, it made it seem like it's going to be late at night, and that thing's going to be open. No, we wouldn't. Because well, uh, it said when the senior centers close, which I assume it would be open on the weekends. Right, but there, depending on what the hours are of the senior center, this was a, just an idea that was floated. Let's say the senior center uh, closed at 5 p.m. every day. And we don't know what the hours are yet because we'll need to discuss that with council, with staffing and whatnot. But if it closed at 5, and let's say we have a program on the plazas, as Tony just said, or people out here till 9, 10 o'clock, uh, it just provided another avenue for them to, to utilize a restroom. Okay, any other comments or questions from the council? Mayor Pro Tem Shapiro. I just want to say I am so excited and uh, appreciate all the hard work and effort put in by staff, by the senior task force, by, the, by our ex expanded task force. The presentation was greatly appreciated and, and received and just an incredible, incredible, exciting time. That's it, I'm very excited. Councilwoman Maurer. I wanted to also congratulate once again Pankow Builders for um, for winning the the contest. Um, you you did a, a wonderful job. And then I wanted to point something out on the board so that when we go to break, those of you who have a chance, you can kind of interpret what's over there um, with the schematic drawing. The dark spots are three variations of what could be done with the triangular shape behind the, the library. Do you want to point those out real yeah, quick? Just so that there's like version options. one, version two, version three. They're just ideas. We're at the very, very early stage of, of where to take this next, um, although we will be giving them further guidance. And then you can see what they did there going up the stairs to draw you into the back behind the library. They have an idea for something um, very attractive. So I wanted to congratulate you all again. And then um, I also wanted to thank staff, uh, Jeff, Maureen, Tony, for leading us through this. It was an exciting process. Maureen, you taught us so much. And Kevin Jones isn't here. Um, he came in to advise us with his expertise. Ed and Carol, uh, your perspective and insight and um, commitment to the whole phase of this part of the project was, was very impressive and I think um, had a, a great payoff. Um, and lastly, to my colleague, uh, Mayor Pro Tem Shapiro, <coughs> you are a joy to work with. So this is just the beginning. It's very exciting. But I did um, ask staff to put forward, I don't know if this is a good time to do this, uh, your um, section of the proposal regarding the lead um, the lead rating yes the lead rating is how environmentally um, sensitive and how sustainable is this building and there are different levels of ranking and I'm sure staff could articulate it better than I but when we began the process we set um, a lower goal of silver it's silver's the lowest level and then gold and then platinum this, this building that you sit in and the library is gold. And we looked at what we did and we just weren't quite satisfied with being just at silver. We thought that, you know, we, we might be able to do better. So in the proposal that we sent out, all of the candidates had to tell us what it would take uh, um, financially to move us up to a gold level and then to a platinum level, the highest level, the, the greenest of all green buildings. And so they did that. And, um, and we 
didn't reach a, a full decision because it would likely require additional funds is one option or we could encroach into the four million that we've set aside with the building so the thought was that we would bring it here to provide um, direction to staff on the sense of what they thought would be best uh, the best leads rating and um, I've, I've made it clear in the task force that it would be my objective to go to a platinum, the highest, to make it the standard in the region and uh, one of the standards in the nation. We have a reputation for environmental stewardship that is almost unmatched in the nation, certainly um, among cities in California. So there's a long record of that. And if you look at the costs, and for those of you sitting there, I'll give you an idea of what, what Hankow um, submitted to us. To go from a silver to a gold would be an additional $25,000. Um, that was your estimate. And then to take it all the way to uh, platinum would be um, an additional seventy-five to a hundred thousand. So we're looking at a total of to get to platinum, one hundred to one twenty-five thousand. Mm -hmm. So I would like to um, have staff's input maybe on that. Any other details you want to add about that? And then ask my colleagues to consider increasing the budget so that we could attain that platinum status and um, continue with the fine environmental projects that we are known for? Yeah, well, we, we ought to uh, go f for sure with gold, and that, that's a $25,000 uh, increase. We should have put that in the original uh, uh, documents just to make them all, both, all, all three the same, and, and so, that that's a given. Whether the council wishes uh, to entertain the platinum, it's it's a, it's the project cost that that council member Maurer um, uh, spoke about. And um, when we were doing, and Maureen can probably tell you because it, it becomes an iterative process. Maureen, I think we were very very close to platinum in the library. Correct. That's true. Uh, and and because as the as a design went about we were designing to gold but then there were a bunch of things that we integrated that weren't really all that costly that allowed us to uh, almost, almost reach it and then we never went uh, you know the the actual points or whatever the 20 points or whatever was left to, to do it just became kind of costly because we were right at budget and so we decided not to do that and so uh, you know we can do whatever the council wishes to do <laughs> But, well, but the our, gold but our, is a no-brainer. I mean, the, that, brain, the gold is a no-brainer. But see, my experience has been that these are estimates, and usually it's going to be double what this estimate is. And also, you know, when you start getting to platinum, I'd have to know exactly what it was that caused it to be platinum. I mean, if I, if it's going to be something where the toilets don't flush or something like that, then I'm not interested in platinum. <laughs> you know, we had some experiences here that we won't get into in this building that left me a little bit less than eager to do that uh, with, with the senior center. Um, so that would be my thought. Financially, I'd have to, I, I, don't, I don't believe it's gonna be just this. I think it's gonna be more, I think it's gonna be double this, which I'm willing to do the gold, but not necessarily the platinum without knowing more. Okay, I have a couple comments. One of my, um, uh, concerns with this project is uh, I want 
to make sure that what we build here looks as if it was part of the original Civic Center. This mm -hmm. cannot be an add-on. It has to be as if you, you're, someone's going to look back and say, this has been here all along. This was designed as part of this all along. Tell me about your thinking in that regard, how you go about uh, doing that as you're, as you're planning the project. Uh, I'll let the architect respond to that one. <laughs> um, as you can see from the conceptual design, we are looking at the Mediterranean type design you have on the city hall and the library. And we will take that into major consideration. That's what we strive for is that it will fit within this complex. Um, and, and David Goodell, the primary designer of Gonzales Goodell, was very, was very in, involved in the um, master planning phase of your civic center with the library and the city hall. And David has a lot of really good relevant experience doing master plan work. Um, in the city of Pasadena, Culver City, other areas. And he really will be very sensitive to ensure that there's compatibility between, you know, this building and, and these structures. And, and with use of materials and the use as materials, well? The materials, the details that you have. Um, we'll look into, I think you have some steel windows here. We'll look at that along with the budget that we have for the facility. It's a very tight budget for the facility and that's why we'll work together as a design build team with collaboration with the city staff as in terms of maintenance for the materials the compatibility with this building and with lead that gets into a lot of the materials to get to the platinum that level requires a lot of due diligence and review of the actual materials to be used do we do wood? Do we do steel? Is it all recyclable steel? Um, that's what we have to consider as we design the outside of the building and the structural system of the building. And, and I think, Tony, you mentioned it well. It's really an iterative process. So it's, you know, we're not going to design this um, by ourselves. We're going to design it very collaboratively with, you know, input from the senior task force, input from you know Jeff's group and all parties to make sure there is compatibility you know there you know so before we you know the plan is that we'll do a, a concept design and then with collaboration with the group and then we'll get approval and then we'll do a um, schematic design and then on each step there will be an approval process to make sure that the design is compatible with this yeah, in each step we'll come to council. We have it's a three-step uh, contract that we're putting together, and each phase will come forward for uh, approval. It'll go through the task force and then on to council for uh, final approval before they can move forward with the next phase. Okay, and even though we learned that we're headed to becoming Florida, I don't want it to look like Florida. <laughs> I don't want my dinner at four thirty. I don't want. Okay. Um, <laughs> And that was one of the principal things when we looked at at their design. If you think, if you if you think of when when we evaluated all three of them, this snapshot that they took, which was from the plaza as you move forward, and they made the central theme of their of their concept, uh, was very appealing because that even when Stern uh, designed this place, it was the central courtyard and the the idea of moving through the central 
courtyard and this thing at, at, uh, in the center at the end of the courtyard and being a visual uh, statement as you were going through was very important and very persuasive to most of us on the, council, on the task force that, 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 that this was well thought out. The other thing we liked was that, that at the bottom you've got some massing options uh, that they haven't predetermined whether it's going to be one story, two stories, whether it's going to be long, whether it, because that's part of the iterative process that we're going to go into. And when we choose this stuff, it'll come back to council and everybody will have their say in, in what goes on and, and be able to, to pick them. But, yeah. but we thought they were a very strong candidate in, in the way that they were looking about getting us to an end product here. And, and with each submission, we'll provide a material board, so there's, you know, there's a clear understanding on the materials that are going to be proposed. All right. Well, let me make my comments. I am wholeheartedly support the recommendation. This is, um, I'm very pleased with the great work that's been done by the committee. I'm great. I'm very pleased with the pace and the speed that the project is moving forward, uh, and uh, and so I support the recommendation. I look forward to uh, keeping the project uh, moving forward. Um, I am satisfied with a gold level. I think that was a mistake. I think it should have been a gold level. We have gold level on our other buildings and we have a gold level. I am uh, hesitant to go to the, uh, the platinum level at a cost of $120,000. One of my other concerns, and if I have to be a little bit of the bad guy through this process, I will be, is I totally support this at the level of funding that we've dedicated to it. I, I don't totally support uh, ticking up the funding by a couple of percent every time we want to do something else. And I don't say that in any negative way to the suggestion. Having it be platinum is a wonderful thing. There will be a dozen other wonderful things that will come up. They'll be doing this room and they're going to tell you, and, you know, for a little more we can do this. Okay, you've done the add-ons to your house. You know how this goes. And so we can add 2% and this is 3%. 3% of our 4 million to get to platinum. So here we are on the very first day, we're adding 3%. And uh, there are going to be other choices as we go along. And um, we are fortunate to have this money available to us and to be able to do this project without um, making sacrifices in other areas of the city. Uh, if we had to sit here and say we're going to do this, but we're no longer going to do this or this or we're going to have to cut this, we would have a different discussion over these last few months and going forward. And I want to make sure we stay in the ballpark we are, which is we're able to do this and we're able to continue with what, with what we're doing in other, uh, in other parts of the city. And to do that, we're, we're going to have to stick uh, to the budget. And there's going to be a lot of wonderful things we're going to be told that we could have that we're going to have to say uh, that we can't do. And, um, and maybe this is the first one, at least in my view. Uh, I'm I think lead gold is, is, is outstanding. Um, Look, I hope that when it all comes in, the bu it's, it's, it's under budget and, and we're able to have a couple of extra bells and whistles. My guess is in this case, that's not going to be the case. And when we built the Civic Center, we hit the recession. So we had, um, uh, we had contractors, we had materials, we, had a we hit the break when, when we, I mean, we opened in 2008. Um, uh, now we're hitting the upswing. So ideas that we have now by the time we go to break ground, there could be increases in costs and labor costs and other types of things, and I'm still concerned about that. And until we get that boiled down, I'm very, very hesitant to uh, start uh, adding bells and whistles. So 
at least from the mayor, you've heard, I want it to look like it's part of the original thing, and, I, and this, this, the budget is the budget. Um, now there, there's four other members, and I could get outvoted all the time, and they don't necessarily care what I have to say about this, but that's my view of, uh, of, of how we should go forward. So today I'm not willing to support the change to the, uh, to the platinum on the, on the leads. Um, this is a, uh, an action item. So uh, if, if there's further discussion, we can do that, or we can have a motion and further discussion. Is there a motion? I'll also move, but I think uh, that you want further discussion at this point. If we I'm we can still right. move and second it. I'll, I'll, I'll move this, this item. It's I'll, been moved. I'll second it, um, and I would like to get council's perspective on uh, the platinum, all council members. All right, so the motion is before us. Is there further discussion on the motion? Yeah, do you want to hear uh, my, um, I, I am feeling the same way that uh, I know platinum is great and would be good, but I would be satisfied with gold because I just feel that there is going to be some add-ons or things that we could do or that we would want that may be, you know, just more beneficial um, to the center as opposed to um, platinum. And I also would need to know wh exactly what is it that makes it from gold to platinum for that huge um, amount of price difference. So I'm not willing to bump up to platinum at this point. Any further discussion on the motion? I'll just, I'll just add my two cents. I know we, we discussed this at length. We spent a great deal of time at least at getting it to gold because that that was something that, thank goodness, was pointed out in our meetings uh, that that was uh, should have been from the beginning. I believe when we discussed this also in your presentation that in addition to the hundred or so odd thousand dollars uh, of excess funds we'd have to come up with, there were other requirements as well as you talked about materials, other other things which might take this even higher than that number that you've projected here and might t might put us in a, p a different position than what we're looking for as far as the look of, of the senior center. Uh, I know we were all in agreement at that time that we want the exterior to be very similar, if not the same, but certainly very similar to the buildings we already have in place, Civic Center and the library. The interior, obviously, we don't need this detail for a dais and, and other beautiful items in the senior center if, if that's not not necessary but um, I am happy with gold I believe the consensus was that we didn't want to do anything uh, to take away from putting the funds into the structure itself if there's a majority of council and I haven't heard that that would would want to put more money into the budget then obviously I would support that but I don't at this point I would say gold is fine and certainly attainable for us okay. well there's a motion for us yeah I, I just had a question then um, I, you know we those of us who weren't on the task force are kind of dealing with limited information on this sub on this particular subject and there was this up here on the dais on this question five what was the recommendation of the task force did you have a recommendation in in the uh, RFP it was silver but as we after, after we put it out, there was discussion about there was agreement to gold, and there was it was undecided 
at knowing that the council would have to approve any more money. So it was like, well, we can't say yes because we don't have the money. So it was uh, inconclusive. But I, uh, I can see where this is going, and I'm disappointed. Um, this isn't the council we used to have. Um, so I'm fine. No, and the reason that I brought up what I brought up with Maureen and the closeness of it was it may be, as this thing develops, that, uh, that, that, that we can go without, I don't want to say that, <laughs> but I'm saying as this iterative process takes place, we designed to gold, but then there were a lot of things came and went. They were they were when because they're, they're the trade-off things. When we that that do you do this? Do you want to use the recycled rebar like what we did the guns to rebar kind of stuff? Do you want to use the ash on the uh, on the uh, on, on on the stone on the concrete and some of those kind of things? And so there were a lot of cost trade-offs. Some of them that we made got us higher. Some of them got us lower. And so at the end, while we're making the trade-offs, who knows? We'll, we'll, we'll aim as high as we can, but we'll design to gold and see where we go from there. And that's... And the well, council used that, to have that's built the Civic Center and Library at Leeds Gold. Uh, right. Close to platinum, almost. We were very close. We were very close. We were, we well, if the and recommendation I, I, changes to platinum, then I would need to, I, but I need to I know exactly what, you know, and, and I think the task force needs to discuss what the ramifications are, not just for cost, but what they're giving up potentially. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. A lot of what will go into a platinum building will be things that you cannot see because a platinum building is the highest level of energy savings. So, for example, if you take a look at an issue like sensors to control lights, um, that may be um, invisible to you, but a cost to you in order to have a, a platinum achievement. Um, these are things that are going to be incorporated already into a gold building, but if there's a few things more as the design progresses, but it'll be some time until we'll really understand what, what additional level of effort uh, will be necessary, many months actually, at this point. You can't really pick all of these pieces now, given the fact that the team doesn't know conditions on this site, and this building, or with the materials that they're working with. A very good example, um, water conservation, is uh, a lead concept is to surcharge water into the ground. Unfortunately, you can't put water into the ground behind City Hall, it's all clay. So there goes a very easy point that would have to be replaced with a more expensive point. And these are the multitude of options, hundreds of options available to this team to look at. So I would tell you that we'll certainly keep it in mind. It'll be forefront to the conservation methods that will be applied by this team. But until we really start to develop the design, we won't know. And, and I don't want my comments to be misconstrued that we shouldn't uh, achieve as many points as we can within our budget and within our program. Um, so, uh, which is, I think, what our policy was with regard to the Civic Center and Library construction, uh, as I recall, and, uh, and we should do, uh, do the same here. Um, is there any further discussion on the motion that's before us? Seeing none, we have before us the recommendation to find Pankow as the best qualified firm for design and construction of the Calabasas Senior Center. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed? 5-0, the recommendation is adopted. Congratulations. Very good, we will move to item number three.
discussion of electric vehicle charging stations and approval of the installation of an electric vehicle charging station included with the senior center project. Wait, and can we, you know, I wanted to see that. Because oh, we were asked to see that. Did, did you want to take a break? Well, I wanted to see, if I can just see that because we were asked to see that. Hold on, don't, don't take the, uh, don't take, okay, all right. Okay, that's fine. Thank you. Did, did you want to take a break to go look at it? No, I mean, I, I thought they were leaving with them. I, I don't care. To, okay. <laughs> if All the right. council needs a break, okay fine. I don't need one right now. Are you okay to go forward with the agenda? I am. Anyone, everyone else? Yes. Let's go. Yes. We're item number three, discussion of electric vehicle charging stations and the approval of the installation of an electric vehicle charging station included with the Senior Center Project and to apply for private-public partnership grants through AQMD and other funding sources to install charging stations for commercial and industrial properties. Yeah, and uh, I believe we have a staff report. Robert, are you going to introduce, or Alex, are you going to introduce uh, let, let, let the me, item? Let me tease this up guest? a little bit at, at the beginning. Yes, okay. <clears throat> when, uh, when we had the last uh, presentation, uh, I think the, the sensing was that it was, it was fairly incomplete because it was pretty much uh, done by a vendor that was talking about his concept. And after uh, discussion, we went back and, uh, and I talked to the public works director and, and with Alex. And uh, we thought that we needed uh, uh, pretty much the, the, the expert on this stuff, the one who manages the grants for this stuff, because all of this is pretty much uh, grant driven. And so uh, very kind to have the, uh, a rep from the AQMD here to walk us through this. She's a, she's, I ran across it because she was giving some other presentation and I looked at the slides and I said, hmm, this looks just like what we need to bring to council. And so she, 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 uh, she's reworked it a bit and, uh, and that's why she's here. But thank you for coming. Thank you very much, council members. Um, I'm Patricia Kwan. I'm with the South Coast Air Quality Management District and the Technology Demonstration Group. So um, I'm just gonna provide very brief background. I know that you're probably quite familiar with various air quality issues in our area. Um, you know, one of the reasons we want to put in EV infrastructure and other clean air technologies is because of our existing air quality issues, particularly in the summertime. So you can see that you do have times when you have sort of unhealthy air for sensitive groups, sensitive receptors, such as children and um, senior citizens. So um, one of the real problems in our area is that we have a lot of NOx sources in the region, um, mobile sources, heavy-duty, medium-duty trucks, um, marine vessels, aircraft, and, and really we are under a lot of impetus in order to meet our air quality goals in the future of reducing these NOx sources 70 to 90 percent. And one of the ways that we see in doing this is to really um, look at sort of a variety of um, fuel platforms, fuel cells, plug-in electric vehicles, battery electric vehicles, hybrids, as a way of trying to clean up um, the diesel emissions. And, you know, one of the challenges is by 2040 that basically all of these vehicles sold need to be zero emission vehicles. So this is quite an ambitious task. This is just, you know, kind of a snapshot of the variety of vehicles that you'll see. I mean, I'm sure this is one of the reasons that the city is considering putting in EV infrastructure at the senior center. Um, as, a, as an agency, uh, we do a combination. We work with other agencies for planning efforts, such as Southern California Association of Governments. Um, we're not a planning agency. We're a regulatory agency. And we do fund some deployment. Um, we also have a rule 2202 for uh, large employers that um, sort of um, encourages workplace charging. 
So in terms of our deployment, there's uh, various programs that we put into place. One is um, called SoCal EV Ready. It's um, a program to put in about 315 level 2 EVSE uh, all around the four county region. That's actually something that's underway. Um, we um, have had cities that have signaled their interest. Um, and we've gotten recent approval by the CEC to um, include cities that weren't part of the original 2011 proposal. So if that were perhaps something that the city was interested in, um, I'd be happy to work with staff. Um, we do have some incentives that we offer towards that. It's about $2,500 that can go towards hardware or installation costs. Um, it does, doesn't defray the entire cost, but it does you know, you know, t you know, fund a chunk of that. In um, addition, there's also a DC fast charging project. We recently got a grant from the CC um, for that, um, for, for 300,000. And then we have a number of partners, including um, EVGO, Clean Fuel Connection, Nissan, that are, and as well as our agency, that are putting in additional funding towards that. So this is kind of just a snapshot of uh, where these um, DC fast chargers are going in grocery stores, similar destinations. Um, this month we're actually in the process of finalizing these sites. Um, our original partners were the Ralphs and Albertson stores. I believe there's actually one of those two store chains in the city of Calabasas. So um, some of our sites, you know, we, we are kind of going through a site substitution process right now. So um, we're our intent is really to kind of create um, as extensive a set of charging corridors. Um, the CC has asked that we kind of focus our efforts on LA and Orange County, so you can kind of see based on the locations that Calabasas could be um, a, a site that would create um, additional charging heading out towards Ventura County um, and to Santa Barbara. Um, we're going to be supporting two connector standards for the DC fast charger, the SAE combo, which is for the American and the European cars, um, you know, the GM uh, Spark, um, there's a BMW um, um, i3, and, and then also the Chatamo, which is like the Nissan and the Japanese vehicles. So those um, uh, fast chargers with both connector standards are um, actually scheduled to be all listed by about June of this year. So it's a really exciting time to be able to support, you know, as many plug-in electric vehicles as we can. Uh, in terms of our planning efforts, uh, we actually were fortunate enough to receive DOE and CC grants um, in partnership with um, our sister agency, SCAG. We did um, create a sort of, we had the UCLA Luskin Center create a uh, Southern California PV readiness plan. And in that, there's kind of a plan and a toolkit and recommendations that I think are really useful guidance for cities in terms of how to install EV infrastructure. There's also actually an atlas that um, accompanies that plan that um, gives sort of cog, sort of specific information and maps, um, which, you know, I would actually welcome staff to take a closer look at. Um, these are sort of some of the readiness elements. A lot of this has to do with things like permitting, installation, utility um, policies, um, you know, building codes, zoning, parking, all these kinds of things that a city has to consider when they install EV infrastructure. So um, we kind of worked across the state, you know, with six different regions to kind of come up with a series of coordinated regional plans, and then those are going actually towards a statewide plan that CEC has engaged NREL to um, finish. So um, this is just kind of a little chart on PV uh, sales, so you can kind of see um, that um, you're going to have this huge ramping up, particularly after 2017, in PV sales. 
these are some of the maps that are part of the, um, the PV atlas, um, and this is for the Las Virginis Malibu cog. And so you can kind of see the darker areas where you're having more PV vehicle registrations. You know, here are morning peak destinations and workplaces. And I'm just going through these very quickly because, you know, you can look at these further at your leisure, um, commercial retail destinations. And obviously we can see that there is not as much PV infrastructure, I think, as you would hope for the city of Calabasas. You can see that there's a start. And there's a lot of stuff that's going to be really occurring this year. So um, for our fast charge project, for instance, we have proposed a very ambitious schedule to CC where we're going to be installing these 20 fast chargers by January 2015. And we're in partnership with NRG slash EVgo, which is already has a commitment, uh, an obligation to the CPUC for $100 million, to invest $100 million in infrastructure in the state of California, uh, including level twos um, and DC fast chargers. So their partnership with us is in addition to that CPUC commitment. So um, just kind of um, sort of um, borrowing some findings from the um, Southern California PV readiness plan. Uh, one thing that really, I think there's obviously some general guidance that's useful for cities, but one thing that kind of really came about through the planning process that we engaged in in the last year is that there are two really key challenge areas for um, multi-unit dwellings. Um, this is something that's probably more of a factor in places like Santa Monica, West Hollywood, City of Los Angeles, not so much here, and workplace charging. These are the areas that we felt that we need to kind of continue to provide more specific guidance to, to you know, kind of key target audiences. So um, we're actually continuing to do that. Um, the CEC um, has actually funded some additional grants to two of the COGS in our region, South Bay City's COG and Western Riverside COG, to get kind of a cross-section, more from a kind of a coastal area and more from the Inland Empire as to what their challenges are in installing infrastructure. Um, I also wanted to kind of bring to um, your attention that there's a lot of really great resources by the California um, Plug-in Electric Vehicle Collaborative based in Sacramento. Um, they actually have created two really effective working groups on MUD charging and workplace charging. They have created uh, a number of guidelines and documents um, you know, for residents, for property managers, for employers, employees, um, and, and best practice guidelines which, you know, if the city is kind of um, interested in learning more about these, I would re really recommend that you go through these. Um, uh, refer to these documents because these are things that OEMs and others have really made some serious contributions towards and were recently completed at the end of 2013. Um, I'm just going to mention in passing that we have a rule 2202 that kind of focuses on the 1400 largest work sites in our four county region and as a way of trying to encourage cities to install infrastructure and purchase vehicles you know we are allowing um, the installation infrastructure as a um, sort of a basic support or a compliance strategy if you, for instance, a city's not able to meet their ride share target, you know, or a county, or uh, a workplace. So this is kind of another way of trying to encourage the installation of EV infrastructure. So this is just some quick resources, some links, you know, which you're welcome to take a closer look at. And um, I'm happy to answer any um, further questions. I think based on your staff report, you might have some more specific um, questions that you, I'm, I'm happy to answer or to refer back to, you know, my agency, you know, if I can't answer them myself. Thank you very much. We appreciate the report and appreciate very much you coming out and uh, the assistance and cooperation of the Air Quality Management District. Um, are there any questions or 
comments from the council with regard to the item before us, which does include um, approval of installation of an electric vehicle charging station in the senior <coughs> center. I'm going to ask Alex or Robert, can you describe more specifically what you have in mind? Are, are you thinking of, of going out to get grants and to try and put together a package to, so that when they that'll come together with the plans for the senior well, center? As we mentioned in our report, uh, we do have funding that we can utilize for this type of infrastructure. So right now, since facilities are under design, why not cooperate with them, coordinate, and create the best location to facilitate it? We have the funding. We've been very conservative spending over the AB 939. I was just checking with Alex, and we have sufficient funding to install that immediately without looking. But I will count on Patricia to get 2,500. I already make a note <laughs> of that. So minus 2,500, I will be spending AB 939. Typical cost, those, those depends of what we use, I think is about $15,000 maximum. So well, we're not can looking you say at that again? What was the, what's the cost of installing it? But twelve to fifteen thousand was rough estimate. Got pending of it is the source twelve to fifteen thousand. And it's pending on the source of electricity. Where are we going to draw the electricity? Sometimes it costs you more to bring transformer, and because a fast uh, charging station, they need dedicated line and all that technical aspect. Also, in report we mentioned, Alex just confirmed that the deadline of February twenty-eight is to apply for public-private partnership. One of the goals we have in mind after receiving your direction tonight, we will be contacting the business owners that we know they have their employee coming and stay in the community for about eight hours. So there's a lot cost effective to have additional charging station within the area that employee have the electric vehicle. I have my own city staff that are saying, I'm ready to buy a leaf if you give me charging station. So we're gonna be looking in those, come up with priority, what is the maximum use, what is the maximum benefit we're going to look into the grant opportunity. I already noticed extra resources. Alex already is telling me we're going to do this and that. So we have a lot of goals in mind. We just need to get additional direction from you, and we will proceed with that. Yes, uh, Mayor Portem Shapiro. Just a quick question. Twelve to 15000 the estimated installation cost. Does that take into effect, or will we be applying on, under the, as the report indicated, AB 2766 for matching funds, or is that not something that's available Since to this us? is a fast track, if you have opportunity, we will do that. If not, I just want to get assurances that we can build that. And we have sufficient AB 939 that we can spend that funding the, for the this specific purpose. I do, have, I do have one card for public comment. Is this, Council, are you okay if we go to public comment at this time? Some guy named Dennis Washburn, <laughs> the Mayor Emeritus. Thank you for the opportunity to speak, and Patricia, thank you for the report. Um, I strongly encourage the council to establish as aggressive a program as we, as we can make in order to provide for electric charging in the city of Calabasas. Um, personal interest. Um, my son has a Tesla, and I, have to, I don't want to have to listen to him tell me that he has to go to Hawthorne to get supercharged, because that's what he had to do when he was with us over the holiday weekend. And there isn't a place to plug in in Calabasas now that I'm aware of that would accommodate a Tesla. And if you haven't looked at the streets in Calabasas recently, there are three or four dozen Teslas running around, Tesla S's, not the, not the Roadster. And before I came over here tonight, I happened to look at a, a video about 
the latest uh, edition of the Tesla vehicles. There's a Model X, which is an SUV. It's going to be a knockout car, and they're going to be all over Calabasas, and people are going to be looking for the opportunities to park the car at the Commons or at the city, uh, city Civic Center in some place and spend an hour eating or going to the movies or doing all the other stuff while they charge or they have folks coming into the Calabasas region and they will spend money. Right now, Atascadero is making bank and so is uh, Salinas and Monterey and I mean, in a number of these cities have these supercharging stations that are in place. So it would be good for us to be not just accepting of the <coughs> recommendation, but I think we should aggressively look to provide the greenness that Mary Sue, you mentioned earlier about wanting to go platinum in the in the senior center, whether the senior center is the right place for us, given all the electrical constraints that we have, Robert, you know, and bringing in the transformer capability and whatever. Um, somewhere in this facility, I know that we can do that, or somewhere in the Caruso facility, I know we can do it, or the Kilroy facility, we can do that, and we should. It would be valuable for the city. It'll be a means of generating business and, um, and visitation as well as service to our community members. I strongly recommend it. And we, we should be able to find more than $2,500 of support. I'm sure if we ask Robert to you know, take a look at all the aspects of this type of a thing, we'll find tens of thousands of dollars that will allow us to deal, deal with it in a very aggressive and creative way. Thank you. Thank you, Dennis. Any further comments or questions uh, or a motion on the item? I have a comment. Yes. Um, you know, I noticed the staff report recommended putting a, uh, a station at the, near the senior center site. I, you know, because our city is so big geographically, I would hope that we'd also entertain uh, a second site on the west side of town uh, at some point. We can Maybe look into it. Maybe not right away. But yeah, the reason we recommended, when it goes under construction, they need to bring electricity to this new building. And that's why it makes the most sense to immediately make it a part of their planning. Uh, any other location, if there is existing facility, you've got to look into how you're going to bring the power to, and that will be the next step of doing That's this program. Uh, Our community center would be one, uh, but somewhere on the west side would be nice. Um, okay. Does a sheriff station have one? No. Maybe something in conjunction with the sheriff station because it is in Calabasas. There's, um, uh, the idea here, and she mentioned it, was that the, the principal effect of this thing is to set them up with businesses where people come to work and can plug in uh, pretty much their work day and then go home. The Kilroy building across the street, the Bank of America building, and some of the other where you get long-term uh, stays on the other side of town too, because we got a lot of, mm -hmm. we got the Cheesecake Factory, we got Spirit, we got all those, so there'll be, there'll be plenty of opportunity for business to partner on the other side of town. The deal with the senior center here, and this is part of, is that Perhaps these charging stations, and I think they do, qualify for lead points. And so as part of the, the, our, our leads effort, and that's what I was uh, talking to Mary, I, I was referring when Mary Sue was speaking, was that you can use these sources to kind of buck up your, your point level and perhaps uh, uh, use AB 939 money for, for these kinds of things and set up a station there. An alternative also that I've, I'm going to, panic my uh, public works director, but, but, I, but I, if our city's budget becomes better, instead of perhaps doing our leasing to hybrids, 
we could do our leasing to electric vehicles. Mm -hmm. And then we could set up a, 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 a bank of charging stations to recharge city vehicles and when city vehicles aren't there to recharge anybody who shows up to, to, to plug in their car. Uh, now, the, pro the reason we didn't do that this cycle is because the electric vehicles are more expensive than, than the hybrids. The hybrids are cheaper. But maybe if, if our condition gets better, we can make the investment in electric vehicles, save some on gas, uh, set up a bank over there, and maybe we'll do those kind of things. Uh, but I think principally we want to work, we want to we wanna for sure do, the, do a station at the senior center. It'll probably be two of them because they're, they're dual. We want to, we, and, and it doesn't have to be at the senior center. It could be at the back of the library. Much like if we, uh, for LEED, we start using solar and we do a solar array of shaded parking structures as part of the senior center, that that gives us some more, uh, some more points. So I think there's a lot of um, opportunities, uh, yes. What, what we, what we want to do is get your okay to start the partnership with the businesses to pretty much be firm on the one station there and then go from there. Any further discussion or comments? Do we have a motion? I don't think we have I a did. motion yet, do we? No, I uh, have um, a question. Did this go before the traffic commission at all to get their input? No, it, it came to no. council and came then we just, and then returned, just came back returned back to council. Okay. Um, I'm in agreement with it. I just don't know if in the back at the senior center is a good location no, that, knowing that, that businesses. Yeah, you're right. That's why I said, that's why yeah. I said that it, it may not necessarily be the back of the senior center. Okay. It may be one of the stalls that's right now uh, just behind. It's going to be between library and civic center. Depending on the layout, we will look into the it. senior center, and so somebody where the electricity comes to. Or it could be on the side here, perhaps. Exactly. One of the council positions. One of the council positions. Mary Sue will find Mary Sue matter parking lot. But, but I think we're not limited precisely to, but, but, but since we're having a construction contract and they're going to be laying wire and all this other kind of stuff. Yeah, as Tony mentioned, will be very cost effective. When we know exactly where is the trenching for electricity, we will keep that in mind even for future expansion. So we will uh, be thoughtful of future expansion. So, but for one station that has double charging, I thought it would be very cost effective to spend our AB 939 and try to use that as a sample and go after other grants. So the goal will be contacting businesses, find out partnership. I already know there's a bunch of businesses that are interested. So we will start that process and report back to council. February 28 is my deadline for grant application. So I have a lot of works ahead of me to see how many sessions I can apply. I don't want to be greedy, go to AQMD, I say give me for 100 of them and get none. I'd rather go start with 10 or and, and whatever Juan, number we, she gave me, then we can move the on. How's, what's, the, what's the market system? to actually pay for your charge? It, you know, it depends on um, how the network is set up. I mean, for our fast charge network, our network partners are taking care of all the electricity charges. What, what does that charges. mean? What is that? Um, well, it, uh, what I was going to say is it depends on the partnership. I mean, if you're installing level two infrastructure at the senior center, then presumably the city is going to absorb that cost because it's not a ne it's not part of some larger network. Um, but you can do cost recovery. You can charge for charging, basically. Yeah, so our goal was can, to charge on yeah. that. So you can swipe card 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 swipes or whatever. Or, you know, yeah, I mean, there's various options. You know, there's, there's um, you know, phone apps. I mean, there's various ways that you can charge um, people 
It's amazing this, technology is uh, advancing. With, um, yeah. Sorry, didn't mean to cut you up. I just heard in Las Vegas they're showing new app for electric charging. Actually, that uh, not only locate you can prepay and reserve the location, so it's not going to charge anybody till that app gets in there. So there's a lot of technology that's advancing so fast that I have a fear of holding off of old technology and install it, then we realize we are fast-tracking. No. There's prepaid. Uh, Tesla is giving prepaid plan program. If you want to travel, for example, from your home to San Francisco, they already give you where to stop, where to do two hours fast charging, eat food. And what they do, they um, join venture with those businesses because they know they're creating two hours of potential business. So there's a lot of learning curve for me, Alex, and maybe another yeah. intern, right, Alex? That's where we are. Do, does anyone have any additional questions on the staff board? If not, I'm going to ask that we put a motion on the. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to ask we're going about to have further discussion. the cost of the maintenance of it. Do we know what that'll be if it breaks down or something? It's really depending on the usage of this and uh, what kind of charging station we put on. But we have not gotten any high expense. Whoever is going to be the supplier, it will come with some kind of warranty, and we will look into that detail. And we will report back to council. So right now, we are just asking seed money through AB 939, authorize us to spend AB 939 money. If you want to put the max on it, you're more than welcome. Otherwise, we will be very thoughtful, and we will look forward to get matching funding. I already see sort of nodding. So we will look into those possibilities. All right, is there a motion from the council? I'll move this item, please. Item's been moved. Is there a second? It's been moved and seconded. Is there any further discussion? Uh, I, if not, I, um, I'm fully supportive of, of the item. I think it's a good idea to include it into, uh, into this project. I hope that this is a first step, that you will come back with a more comprehensive plan. Um, I think we should also look to some of the local businesses. We have BMW is getting into this business. We have a BMW dealership. We should ask them to participate. Tesla is, I think, selling cars in Calabasas. We're sort of a target demographic market for them. Uh, they should, you know, we should ask them, uh, tell them that we're willing to host a station and see what their willingness is to, uh, to participate. And then uh, because we are having some potential new uh, developments coming in, at least uh, coming in the application stage around the city, to the extent that it is appropriate to have something in our code that you know requires a certain size or a certain number of uh, units then requires a, a station to be installed this would be the time to amend the code before those last five projects happen uh, and um, I, I believe that there are other jurisdictions who have started to include those kinds of requirements in their code and I'd be willing to consider that um, as well and that's something that could go to the Planning Commission and and, uh, but probably could move relatively quickly. So I'd like uh, us to look at all of those uh, options. But I do support the motion. And unless there's further discussion, seeing none, I'll ask for a vote. All those in favor of the item, please say aye. 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 Opposed? 5-0, the motion passes. Thank you very thank much. You. And Patricia, thank you so much for coming. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Yes, yes, thank you. The public should know there are three charging stations sitting in the parking lot of the Sagebrush Cantina. Uh, and, you know, one thing is maybe, I don't know if it's appropriate to put signage, and I hate to add signage, but 
I, don't, I think a lot of people don't know that there's three charging stations back there. Uh, that is relatively close to the Commons and the Civic Center. It is in L.A. <laughs> it's in it. Well, it's in well, L.A. You should ask them but if the they street want is Calabasas. If we wanted to put a sign <laughs> that said EV charging with an arrow, well, um, but that is that is the closest local, and there's yeah. three of them sitting there. We'd have to ask them. It's kind of private property. I wouldn't want to direct people to that if that's yeah. not their Yeah. Well, design. I, I think they're available to the public that use the parking lot now. If you're parking there, you're supposed to be. Uh, patronizing sagebrush, I imagine, but they are there. Okay. We are on to item number four, update on stormwater and water quality projects and activities. Alex? Thank you for the opportunity. The City Council previously requested uh, occasional updates on the stormwater and water quality activities, and this is an overview of uh, what is happening within the city. Uh, almost all stormwater and water quality activities are driven by state, federal, and federal regulations, and funding for compliance is also provided through grants and or cities general fund. Regulations are trickled down from the U.S. EPA to the local municipalities and from local municipalities to residents, property owners, businesses, institutions, and contractors. Uh, the uh, reason for a stormwater regulation is because beaches across the nation continue to be fooled by sewage and the stormwater pollution that puts swimmers at risk of getting sick. The top sources of contamination is runoff swept into the ocean by rainfall or irrigation, uh, accounting for over 47% of beach pollution and beach closures last year. Uh, Clean Water Act requires each state to identify the waters within its boundaries that do not meet water quality standards. Uh, for each listed water body, the state is required to establish a total maximum daily load, also known as TMDL, for each pollutant impairing the water quality standards in that water body. Uh, in general, uh, the primary pollutants of concern in our region are trash, bacteria, total aluminum, copper, lead, zinc, diazonin, selenium, and cyanide. Uh, city of Calabasas discharges into two main water, uh, watersheds, Los Angeles River and Malibu Creek watershed. Since there is no development within city boundaries in the Topanga Canyon uh, Creek watershed, city staff sent an official request to the regional board in June 2013 requesting exemption from the requirements of the new municipal stormwater permit for the Topango Canyon watershed. We are yet to receive the approval of the regional board. Can, I'm sorry, can you clarify that? Do we drain into the Topanga Creek or not? We do not. We do not okay. have any development, any storm drain system. Not a drop, nothing. No. Okay, thank you. So that's why we requested the exemption from that watershed. Uh, the new municipal stormwater permit that became effective on December 28, 2012, required uh, local municipalities to choose a compliance approach that best meets their needs and means. City of Calabasas, along with majority of other cities, chose a collective approach. Uh, City of Calabasas joined two watershed groups to comply with provisions of the new permit, Los Angeles River Watershed and Malibu Creek Watershed. City of Los Angeles is the lead agency for the Upper LA River Group and City of Calabasas is the lead agency for the Malibu Creek Watershed Group. A consultant has been hired to develop the enhanced watershed management program and the corresponding integrated coordinated monitoring plan for each watershed. Regular meetings are being held with each group. 
Several technical memos have been already prepared and are being reviewed by technical staff. Uh, municipalities were also required to meet strict deadlines and submit certain documents that included a draft low impact development or LID ordinance and a draft green street policy by June 2013. Uh, LID is an approach to land development or redevelopment that works with nature to manage stormwater as close to its source as possible. Permittees are also required to develop and submit a coordinated integrated monitoring plan for review and approval to the regional board by June 2014 and an enhanced watershed management program by June 2015. In compliance with the um, Malibu Creek watershed trash total maximum daily load, City of Calabasas applied and received $168,000 of grant funding from Santa Monica Bay Restoration Commission to retrofit 156 storm drain catch basins in the Malibu Creek watershed with the stainless steel full capture devices. The full capture device has two components, a curb screen called automatic retra retractable screen, also known as ARS, and a secondary uh, screen inside the catch basin called the connector pipe screen or CPS. This screening system was treated by the, uh, was tested by the LA County Flood Control District and was approved by the regional board as an appropriate device to comply with the trash TMDL. Uh, all 156 screens were installed, tested, and approved by the LA County and city inspectors, and they are currently fully functional. Uh, additionally, a 10-minute documentary was created by the City of Calabasas to fulfill, to fulfill the edu educational component of the grant. The documentary is available on City's website and also on the YouTube. Uh, City is also required to maintain the devices for a minimum of 20 years and is also required to monitor the accumulation of trash and debris for 12 months and report the weight and type of debris collected from 15 catch basins to the funding agency on a quarterly basis. Uh, the monitoring activity began on this, in December 2013 and shall continue until December 2014. So far, the results of the monitoring prove that the effectiveness of these devices and a major reduction in trash discharge in Las Virginas Creek. Another effective control measure is an underground device called Continuous Deflection Separation System, also known as CDS unit. A CDS unit have a screen filter that remove all floatable materials and separate treatment, cha separate treatment chamber, which captures sediment. Due to potential high, volu high volume of trapped pollutants, maintenance on these systems is very important. City owns four CDS units in various locations on Parkway Calabasas, Civic Center, Courtyard at the Commons, and on Agora Road, in addition to an infiltration and bioremediation site in Las Virginas Road. Uh, at a minimum, they should be maintained four times a year, which includes sucking out the floatable debris and sediment with a vacuum truck. Uh, the indirect screening capability of the system allows for 100% removal of floatables and sediment. More than 2,000 pounds of trash and sediment is removed from the five storm drain devices in each clean-out operation. I would like to also go over some of the upcoming projects. 
that, that, that provides us with better water quality and a strong water uh, treatment. Uh, Citywide city Smart Irrigation Controller Project is a project funded by Prop 84. The purpose of this project is to reduce irrigation runoff and to prevent pollutants from reaching creeks and rivers. This project will reduce city water usage by approximately 20 to 25 percent, thus reducing the amount of potable and reclaimed water supplied by the Las Vegas Municipal Water District. The project calls for the installation of a smart irrigation controller system using evapotranspiration technology. This system would be put in place at all city-owned facilities, street medians, and parkways. The estimated budget for this project is $750,000, and city will receive $680,000 in grant funding. The staff is currently in process of developing the seal bead packet. Another project is the Las Virginas Creek Bank Stabilization, Stream Restoration, Fish Barrier Removal, and Trail Connection. These projects include uh, construction of two-mile uh, creekside trail, stabilizing the banks, restoring the creek, and removing fish barriers in Las Virginas Creek between 101 Freeway and De Anza Park. Broken concrete liners that have been Created barriers shall be removed and the banks shall be stabilized in order to reduce sediment and nutrient loading in the creek. By completing this project, city will be closer to meet the requirements of the nutrient TMDL for the Malibu Creek watershed. This project will also include establishing a walking trail along the creek, creating a habitat and water quality education center, and several public access points to the creek. City of Calabasas have been appropriated for $111,000 of grant funding through Prop 84 for the design phase and is awaiting the grant uh, contract. Another project is a citywide storm drain curb stream. This project calls for the installation of curb streams on all cities' catch basins to prevent trash from entering the storm drain system. The project expands into two watersheds and will retrofit nearly 900 catch basins using LA County approved stainless steel curb screens. Please note that this project is different from the recently completed 156 catch basins that were retrofitted with full capture devices. With this project, only the curb openings will be retrofitted. By completing this project, the city will be in full compliance with the Los Angeles River and Malibu Creek watershed trash TMDL. Alex, I'm sorry, can you tell me the difference between this curb screen and the other one? You mentioned it, but I... The other so one uh, also has a device inside the catch basin called connector pipe screen that captures more trash, this, the smaller uh, uh, trash that is passed through this screen. But by, uh, by a study done by the city of LA, if we install only the curb screen one, the maintenance cost is going to be much less and the street sweeper can clean up the, in front of the catch basin. And this will provide, this screen in addition to CDS units and public education will bring us to 100% compliance. Thank you. Okay. Uh, the last uh, slide is about our damage screen. Prior to installation of curb screens, all broken catch basins shall be repaired. It's estimated that over 300 catch basins throughout the city will require major or partial repairs. The cost of this project is approximately 1.3 million, and city has been appropriated 1.1 million dollars through uh, Prop 84 and is evading the grant contract. 
And this concludes my presentation. Alex, thank you. Alex, thank you so much. Always appreciate your expertise and detail on this. And uh, I'll open it up for any questions from the council. This is a report, so it's a receive and file report. There's no action to be taken. I, I just I have, are there any questions? Just a quick one. Oh, you are, you are correct. We do have a public uh, speaker card, and you're welcome to join us. I apologize. Thank you. Um, water, uh, we can't make it. Uh, it's basically, we know there's about 326 million like cubic gallons, gallons in the galaxy. Uh, the quality of water is more valuable and precious to life than the quality of mammals' uh, lives are. We are unnecessary. As long as the earth has water, soil, earthworms, and plant pollinators, it can create intelligent life regardless. It doesn't necessarily need us. Uh, in that, there are 14-year-old girls in Africa who have just created, uh, they've generated six hours of, of power with a, one liter of urine. Uh, there are things that are being done that are not creating these industrial byproduct pollutants which uh, create wastewater and things like that. Uh, creating of plastics, the, the process that is a man-made process, uh, the byproducts of that destroy water, tear it from itself. Uh, cement creation is also a process that the byproducts tear it from itself. Uh, <laughs> The bleaching process of trees to create paper is another one, creating flame retardants. Uh, for us to pull off the plants, how you're, I saw that you were talking about clearing away trails. Uh, plants stop runoff. Their roots uh, and their stalks hold the dirt to them. When you clear away things, that's when mudslides and runoff happen, uh, which again, the qualities that are unique to the fibrous stalks in hemp. Uh, even if you just start, Hemp Creek can be mulched in someone's backyard. It doesn't require 3,000 degrees of energy in order to create the cement, which will slump eventually and tear apart. Uh, just to start thinking about using plants uh, more <laughs> to hold the earth together. Uh, and I didn't know exactly where your water presentation was going to go, and I don't want to get into a hippie, I love water thing about it. But there are innovative ideas that electricity comes from, you know, nuclear power does the electricity. Uh, things that we create, which are possibly the most genius things ever created, are not natural to Earth's process. So they do tear apart at the water. And that wastewater, when I hear the term wastewater, uh, it <laughs> makes me so sad. I don't understand how we're trying to figure out where to store wastewater that is no longer good, that we have shoved into the Earth with chemicals. Uh, when again, hemp is its own pesticide, its own uh, herbicide. It is a weed. It repels insects. If you even plant it around crops, uh, the insects will not come to the crops if they hit hemp every once in a while. So please save water. <laughs> Thank you very much. Okay, this is a receive and file report. Are there any questions or comments from the council? Thank you. Yes, just quickly, uh, with regard to the, the one of the last few items, you talked about Lost Virgins Creek Bank stabilization, stream restoration, fish barrier removal, and trail connection, including the uh, including the trails as uh, on the next page. 
you indicated we have, a, a, I think, 111 in grant funds. What will the cost be of all that? What do you anticipate the cost will be? Oh, the the uh, grant funding covers only the design phase. Right. And we are going to, and through the design, we are going to find out how much it's going to cost. But our initial uh, estimate is 2.2 2 .2 million. But, but 2 you may remember million. that we had a an, an item a while back, and uh, Councilmember Mauer is aware because she went out there and walked. And and we we do have a landscape district mm -hmm. out there, mm -hmm. and and reserved in the landscape district, we have another three hundred thousand dollars that I that I asked them not to spend. Mm -hmm. So once we do this. This will take it away. It's the, the the one that that you showed in the picture there. Uh, no one's going to go under the 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 freeway and and tie there. And I think that the county decided that 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 was way way too expensive, and they're not going to go there. But we could certainly do a very nice connection from the Albertsons and our part there, right. uh, all the way to De Anza, which is what we show on the thing. Correct, and we have the right of way, and and, and right now we're, nego we're negotiating identified. some we're negotiating Correct. some easements with the property owners that own the office buildings, kind of like where Zeb's office is, the backside there to make sure that we can align a, a trail behind there. Great, great, and thank you for the report. I'd love to see an update, or have you come back in a year or the end of this year and give us an update as to how everything's working as well. Any other comments? I Councilman do. Mauer. Alex, um, you are the environmental czar of our city <laughs> staff, and it is so clear um, by all the work that you've summarized. I thought it was uh, unfair to rush you, and I apologize. I don't know why you, you felt rushed. I would like to see a copy of your comments uh, that you always have. I'm so impressed by all your work. So um, I hope we don't have to wait a year to see you again. I would like to see you every six months, every quarter, because the work you do is so invaluable. And we used to see you much regularly. So thank you for all the work you do. And is there anything you wish you could do that you're not doing or that as a city we're not doing, that as a council we should know about or our environmental commission should know about? Anything that's innovative and new or... No, I mean, we are doing uh, whatever the uh, council or the city manager directs us to do. And he's got and, the Rodenticide uh, workshop coming soon. So yes. Yeah, we are going to Good. have the workshop very soon. We are Good. going to announce and that shortly. I do have a comment on that as I, I saw it at a future agenda item. I'm hoping that there can be some annual Rodenticide and coyote and not just sporadic public education. But Actually, hopefully. that was the idea to hold an annual meeting on a certain date. So we picked uh, March as one of the for the starting for this year so we will see how it goes and we probably do the same next year well thank you for everything you do for our city and our region and the state thank you any other comments i have asked jill to add to the graduation requirements the you have to be able to say anticoagulant rodenticide <laughs> all right um thank you and uh, i also all of us are very appreciative for all the great work you do on on uh, obtaining grant fund grant funds to supplement our city funds on these projects. It's something that we appreciate. We know it's a lot of work, a lot of detail, and thank you very much. Okay, uh, we are now on to item number five: recommendation from the Parks, Recreation, and Education Commission regarding the Calabasas Film Festival. Who says government does not work fast? <laughs> Uh, as, as you're aware, the
Parks and Recreation Education Commission held a special meeting on uh, last Friday uh, to discuss uh, this item. And uh, we had uh, uh, Pelagius Films, and, and Kelly's here tonight, but uh, they presented uh, a PowerPoint presentation of the commission. Uh, the commission did vote 5-0 uh, to move forward with this or bring it back to council. They did have some concerns that they talked about, and, and I think a lot of things were, were based off of uh, the past experiences uh, with, the, with the former. Uh, cost to the city they were very concerned with, uh, where they said there would be no cost, but in, in some realm uh, the commission felt there would be cost to the city. And so they wanted to make sure of uh, uh, what those were, if there were anything. Uh, the, the actual budget uh, for the entire festival and to ensure that uh, contractors are paid uh, with, you know, with, with those funds. They wanted to see timelines and benchmarks met. Uh, I know that was something that was brought up at the, at the council meeting. We were unclear if, uh, if this is, does go through, if, it, if the PRI is going to oversee the festival or, or my division. So we said, well, we'll see what council says if it's going to come back. But the, the commission did want to set up like a little subcommittee to, uh, to work with uh, the film company to ensure that uh, benchmarks were met, timelines were met, so they were able to see everything. Uh, venues was super important and to ensure that all venues are in the city of Calabasas uh, whether it be obviously the you know showing of the films but any type of uh, parties that were going on uh, or permit to make sure that they they took place at, at city venues or at city restaurants a lot of times uh, with the last festival everything happened outside of the city and so we want to make sure that our businesses uh, can reap some of those benefits of, of having those uh, at their facilities. Uh, ticket prices, they wanted to make sure that uh, if there were ticket prices, that there was no preferential treatment for people outside of the city. Uh, some of the last programs we had is people outside of the city ended up paying less than residents paid. And so they wanted to make sure that there was, uh, that maybe the, the residents had a priority with or paid lower cost ticket prices if that was the case. Uh, they wanted to see a list of the sponsors that were secured and to obviously look for, uh, you know, Calabasas businesses uh, for sponsorships. The, the dates, uh, the commission liked the first set of dates uh, in September. I think it was September 10th through the 14th. Uh, the 24th through the 28th was the second set of dates, and, and that falls right in the middle of uh, Rosh Hashanah. So the commission felt obviously that was not appropriate to do it at that time. Uh, uh, another concern they did have, I mean, they have not done this before. So that was one of the reasons I think that uh, the commission wanted to set up a subcommittee and, and make sure that they were aware of things as they were moving along. And uh, I think that was all of the comments from the commission. And Kelly is here tonight. She decided to stick around to the very end. So if you had any questions of her. Welcome, Kelly. Thank you for being here. Uh, any questions or uh, comments from the council. I do have one speaker. I have a question. Yes. When and I, I mentioned benchmarks the last time because we had some problems with that, where we set out some benchmarks and then nothing was done, and then we were stuck having to do the work ourselves, basically, and absorb the costs. What was the commission's feeling should happen if benchmarks aren't met? 
Well, they'd want that obviously, and it was spelled out within the sponsorship agreement. And if that uh, was not, uh, if this group did not meet those benchmarks, then the city would be able to get out of that sponsorship or terminate their uh, agreement with them. Okay, because that, that's something I think is really important. I mean, I don't know if anybody remembers some of the problems that occurred before, but they were very significant ones like no, no parking, no one had, had secured security, no one had secured insurance. So the city wound up having to literally, on the last day, pay for an insurance policy, buy a security guard, go out and beg uh, local businesses to provide parking. Those are things I don't want the city to do. If this agreement's going to go forward, any one of the th things that is supposed to be done that isn't done would, in my opinion, be something that ends our participation in this so that we don't have that problem anymore. Okay, let's ask questions on the staff report, and then we'll see if there's a motion. Uh, then I want to go to public comment, then let's see if there's a motion. We'll okay. The final comments, um, if that's okay with everyone. Are there any further questions at this time? If not, we'll have our public. I, I do have oh, a question. Go ahead. Um, so zero cost to the city well we understand i think when it came to council that there still are some co costs associated i know that they had asked for utilization of facilities uh, whether it be the civic center site uh, if it is at the high school or viewpoint uh, we there's still costs associated they'd have to pay for those whether it be electricity or whatever but depending if council wants us to staff those uh, facilities to ensure that if, if, the, if they're using the facilities because the, the city is brokering that deal, uh, we want to, uh, the, the, obviously the commission want to ensure that we were taking care of the city and making sure that uh, the, the city wasn't gonna look bad, if there was trash left, if there was something going on that shouldn't happen. And then if we utilize the civic center for anything, there are staff costs and or city costs that are involved with that. And so that was and also um, as I recall our staff worked our staff in City Hall worked not only just staffing venues but supporting the film festival John Correct. Bingham in particular I think worked full-time on this event for quite a while so what do you expect as far as City Hall staff not those working at venues um, you know, most likely, I mean, depending on this, you know, when Joe spoke the other night, I mean, to the commission, he's very adamant. They want to really start small. Um, again, they don't know what it's going to be yet, and they want to start this grassroots and, and start small. So, you know, as Tony always says, we don't know what we don't know yet. And, you know, the goal would be is to utilize, you know, if this is going to stay in community services, is I will utilize my staff to, uh, to do what we need to do, but I don't know outside. I know... Let me back up. I know with the method in, in certain times that we hosted some parties and, and then we brought in, yes, I mean, I know John Bingham got involved and I know Robin got involved uh, with those. I know Deborah got involved because they were utilizing the Founders Hall and we did not have the appropriate equipment that needed to be used to show films. And so we had uh, Ryan was here making sure that the equipment was running properly. Those things we don't know yet because, again, we're not sure how if they're going to be using Edwards, if they're going to be using school district facilities with that, then the school district would have to provide, obviously, um, people to run the equipment because, we, you know, we don't know how to utilize that stuff. So there's, I don't know yet. I mean, it, it, it's still up in the air. And that's why I think the commission 
said, you know, if, if they set benchmarks, and I've done this with, uh, with the foundation and it worked out really well um, within their sponsorship agreement, is when um, they had X amount of days to secure the parking lots, and then I needed to know what parking lots they were utilizing. Uh, they had a, a certain amount of time, uh, you know, with their security guards, and I needed to know who the security guards were, w you know, what areas that they were going to be in, and they had to submit that to us. They had to bind insurance in. Um, they weren't going to bind the insurance all the way up front because, you know, the event wasn't happening until the end. Uh, we, the ABC license, I mean, we put those stipulations in there, and they had to meet those benchmarks, and, and they've done it, you know, each time. So. I think with uh, the past performance, I don't think we spelled it out in, in that fashion uh, because we were, you know, we, we felt that, you know, they were turnkey, they were going to do it. And if the city's logo is on it and we're sponsoring it, we can't rely on somebody else to, to do everything. That's, that's my concern. We have a very, very high standard. And that's when our staff got pulled in when things were inadequate from the previous film festival organizer. Our staff in all departments, it seemed, stepped up and poured a ton of resources. And so how can we be sure that that won't happen? Can I ask that we go to the public comment? What, I, what I'd like, what I think our protocol is, is to ask questions about the staff if there's information. Try not to get into the comments and debate. Allow the public comment and then do the public comment and debate. That's my understanding of how we try to do this. So. I mean, I don't want to cut you off. If you want to continue to go, well, go. But maybe then I, I, you should then just we'll go come straight. Back and we can ask as many questions we want and go as long as we want. I'll, but the I'll public hold is the waiting. rest of my questions. Okay. I have no problem. Okay. Can, can, can we go to the public comment? We have public comment. A way to generate volunteerism on this, but uh, I used to do a public access show. I dropped my tape off at the Adelphia up here on Agora Road way back in the day. Uh, and it saddens me when I see, you know, Channel 25 to say public access 24 hours a day. Uh, if we allowed students or the local public to upload videos, uh, present them at some sort of a film fest, or to have the people online uh, or at that channel watch these videos, and then there is an award given at film fest, the parents would volunteer. There would be a lot of uh, local people wanting to volunteer to do things at that. Uh, I think that it's important to have community production and art uh, and creativity displayed and to create that. I don't know if the film festival is doing local film. Pro film producers are going to be shown there or if it is just, uh, <laughs> I don't know, uh, independent. But I think that if we started allowing the people to put on their art more, that uh, it would be really, really cool and that people would get behind a film festival if it is a festival celebrating their art, uh, even just in a little teeny way. So there you go. <laughs> Thank you very much. All right, what exactly is before us? Because the staff report did not include a specific staff? motion. Well, there was a, there was a parrot page that said we're going to have a recommendation from the uh, from the pre. So did the pre pass a motion? Is there something specific that the, you the want pre us to do? The pre passed a motion to uh, that they were for and and, and from what. My understanding was is, is the council wanted the pre to, to take a look at this and make a recommendation uh, if the pre felt we should move forward with this program. The pre did feel that we should move forward with it, but it, the pre's recommendation was to bring it back to council because it, 
the, the original, right. so, so the original we, program if, came to council. So explain if we say, yes, we want to move forward, what the next step would be. Would that be you would negotiate an agreement and then an agreement would come back? I mean, obviously there's a lot of details. People have, obviously have a lot if, of questions. If, if, if the and, general consensus is the council would like to do this, that's all I need. Then we'll negotiate. We'll, we'll make sure that the city logo doesn't get embarrassed. And that's really the, the and that's why we did everything that we did with Franken was because you know, when it, it, it became it became a shuttle bus here, it became this or no, that. But, well, what, but what that's you, not what I, but, I actually, but that's if we not don't what I said. But if we what don't do you, what do you envision in terms of money? None, zero, no budget from the city. Other than city uh, staff, staff already within the budget. So the director's not coming back to us to say, no, I now need more money in my no, budget they, because they, of this. It's within gonna, current staffing and budget. I, I just want to make my position clear. because I don't, it's not my. What the director is telling us is that that's what I was asking is that he's not asking us for money We're not asking it, to for the extent money. that his staff is working on this it's within their current correct staffing and budget my, my direction I mean in case it was unclear and that's just me I I would my direction would not be to make sure the city logo doesn't get embarrassed my direction is we spell out minimum requirements and then the city's done I mean if these requirements aren't met at any stage we withdraw from the process, not that we go in and make sure we're not embarrassed by throwing money and resources. No, into it. I, I agree that, with That's you. what I meant. I didn't mean that we're going to bail out anybody. And I don't want to be negative about it. It's just that we have had negative experiences. We've lost a great deal of money and resources and, and really frustration with your staff. Uh, at, not at your staff, but your staff was very frustrated in having to fill in the gap, basically. I mean, we have people that didn't show up from to, to run the film festival, so I want to make sure that that is my for my vote. That is my direction, not to bail out anybody so that we're not embarrassed. No, but understand, I, I got where you're coming from. The, the the reason that I said what I said is because we could do all the paper in the world, we can do all the stipulations, everybody can sign it. The thing goes forward. And then all of a sudden we have a crowd and something happens. So that's what I meant. I meant that, that, and that's what Jeff was saying, that we would have people at venues or if something happened, we could do something. The, the lights don't come on, the, you know, whatever. There's, there's no security and we have to, those are, that's what, now, no, we, we'll, we'll try to pre-do we'll pre all of that, of course. Okay, I mean, I guess what I'm saying is this, just a quick example. You go to an event, they haven't provided for security, it's not staff is going to be the security or we're going to call people and start paying double money. It's the doors are locked and the, the event does not go on. Okay. That would be, that's my position. That's fine. I don't want to deal with this like we did before. It was very frustrating. Okay, are there further questions or comments on this item? Uh, yeah, I have a comment. Um, my understanding, and I'm not sure why this came back so quickly, was that we had lots of questions about budget, sponsoring, uh, location and everything and that information was all supposed to be spelled out to the pre so that they can make their decision so what I'm hearing you know we we've got nothing um, to actually see is the same thing that we got before was you know we want to do this and the consensus was yes we'd like to have this done but we have no we have no details we have no nothing Yep. They, it, and the pre has nothing. Correct. And, Joe you know, had, wanting to do a subcommittee. Right. That's they, fine. they didn't bring they anything forward, and, and the explanation was is they weren't going to put all the work into starting this up if the city was not going to approve this. 
So they have not talked to venues. They, I think they've talked to one sponsor uh, so far. They haven't talked to any actors or films. They wanted to make sure before they move forward that we were going to, that it was going to be approved. They weren't going to put a lot of work into it up front if it wasn't going to happen. It, it seems to me, and I, I know we said zero to the city and staff, but they're, they're new to this. It's my understanding. They've never done this before, so they have no idea of what they're doing as well. And now this, the city, I mean, staff obviously has done things before and knows this. It, it just seems like there's a lot of holes here that haven't been answered or anything. May, may I? Yes, if you were uh, just, just to, with all due respect, if I heard correctly, they haven't run a film festival, but they've worked in programming, they've worked in films. Uh, one was, they've, they've produced, they've won Academy Awards. They stood here and at the pre and indicated very clearly that they had spoken to local resident actor, in particular, large, well-known actor with a major film coming out right at the time of the film festival and had spoken to local theater here, uh, Edwards, which to me is very important if we're going to approve any type of film festival uh, or support it. Uh, so there has been work done, but they haven't signed any agreements. They haven't done anything because we, they were waiting for our stamp of approval and our, our symbol. Uh, I've heard no money at all times Obviously, staff is an issue. I agree with comments made by James, some of them, and I believe the comments made that I heard, because I did watch the presentation of the pre, was that they would be willing within a couple weeks to come back with a budget, with sponsors, with venues at that point. It would be a few weeks only, but and they wanted to do that, and if those benchmarks weren't met and they weren't successful at that point, then... We, that would be in the agreements as well that we would not participate. I'm on board with this as far as uh, I wish Dennis was here. This was his uh, this was his baby way back in the day, but I like the idea. I like the fact that the city is not being asked for any money whatsoever, uh, and I like the idea of having some type of benchmarks as well, either to come back to us if necessary or whomever the council wishes but I am supportive of this. I too am very supportive. I think it would be wonderful to have a Calabas Film Festival. I was very impressed with the um, credentials and the, and the ideas that were put forward. Uh, I also have uh, very, a very high level of trust in our city manager and our community services director to not only uh, protect the interests of the city, but also to put on the region's finest events time and time again, whether it be the Pumpkin Festival, the Arts Festival, the Fourth of July, you can go down the list. These are extremely high quality events. I'm not worried about the doors being locked or the lights not being on. This is uh, not something that, that uh, I'm concerned about when Jeff Rubin stands, uh, sits here and tells us that, um, that uh, this is something that he can do and that his staff can do and that he can work with. So what I would, what my preference would be is that we uh, that we um, give uh, guidance uh, to go forward. Uh, I would expect that they would negotiate a more detailed agreement uh, uh, as to exactly what that 
what everyone's roles would be and who would be responsible for what and what benchmarks. I think having some kind of steering committee, if, if Jeff feels that that's a good idea, is, is, is great. And uh, uh, having some members of the PRE is fine. If there's a council member that wants to serve on that committee, that would be fine as well. Uh, and I'm happy to have the um, uh, community service director report back as soon as it's appropriate, as soon as he has any further, the further details of that kind of an, agree, uh, an operating agreement to, uh, to provide those details to the council. So that's what I would like to do, whether we feel we need a formal motion at this time or whether that's just direction to staff to move forward and, and, uh, uh, and come back with us with a report at a later date. Um, I'm, 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 I'm frankly am comfortable either way. It would be direct, Mr. Mayor, members of council. It would be a direction to staff because the item, the agenda item, just indicated it was going to be a report. So it would mm -hmm. be a direction to staff, okay. not a formal motion. All right. If, if there's, uh, if someone feels differently than what than what I just outlined, please, uh, uh, this would be the time to comment on that. I'm still as uncomfortable as I was the first time, but I'm willing to uh, support this uh, only because it seems to have been very important to. Mayor Pro Tem Shapiro, and I want you to have this go through and see how it turns out. And um, I am very concerned about the impact on staff. You, uh, I, you, every staff person on our uh, in our city has a work plan, and they get paid for doing that set amount of work. And so, for something like this to move in, is in my mind, it's going to impact other programs, and I want to be sure it doesn't. Um, so I don't know how we can gauge that when you're pulling them off of one thing. And, and, and your staff in particular is a highly impacted staff. I get more comments from them about how, not overworked, but they're, they're maxed out. And I, I'm concerned about that. So I hope that it won't get to the point where other programs are hurting. And. Um, and uh, I hope you do start small, because I, I, if you try and go too big, you're, it's gonna, I, I think it's gonna be problematic. Any further comments? Is there a consensus to the direction I outlined? Yes. Yes. Everyone is uh, shaking yes. We'll use that as the direction to staff. Thank you very much for the report and for all your work, and we look forward to hearing back from you with more of the details on that at a future meeting. Okay, we are done with our new business items. We have before us uh, the check register. Are there any questions or comments on the check register? Seeing none. Task force reports. Are there any task force reports? I'll report that uh, uh, Councilman Bazaja and I met uh, to uh, as the task force or committee on the city council protocols. We have developed a draft set of protocols and in a few moments under future agenda items we'll talk about agendizing that for uh, discussion and adoption. Any other task force reports? City manager's report. I, I don't know anything today. No further report. We are on to future agenda items. Let's take a look at this. It is the first meeting of the year so let's take, um, let's go to the list. And thank you, Mari, for keeping this list up to date. All right, the city council protocols. Um, we have two options. I, I believe we have two options. One is we can put it on a regular agenda. Um, remember, we, we had an item that was gonna take probably an hour or so. It was a report related to um, some important notice issues that were um, uh, 
that, that were raised, and we put it off because of the late hour. So I, I'm happy to put this on, if we put the protocols on, which I do think will take a little time, and there'll be some discussion, and, and then we have this other item that we're trailing to, a, to an appropriate date. The other option would be to have a meeting, a Saturday meeting or, or an extra meeting to, dedicated to a couple of these possibly more lengthy items. Um, I'm, open to, I'm open to either way, but I anticipate if we do try to go through these items, and the council protocols is something that I do think we should try to uh, adopt um, you know, within the next few, within the next month or so, um, then, uh, then we will have some meetings that go a little later. So that's what, that was the only thing. Later meaning, you know, we'd be now at 9.30, 10 o'clock launching into a, you know, an item that's going to take an hour. Um, and I know that there's been some hesitancy, at least there was at the end of last year to do that. So I, I'm, I can work late. Um, what's this commission's ordinance updates? This is, uh, this is just the one, the special appointments like by the historical commission and, and the, uh, and the, and the, uh, the SERP that, that it's, that, it's little fix-up yeah. items. Little fix-up, little fix-ups. That actually yeah. should be a consent type. Yeah. That's What's not that? a big deal. It's a clean-up to the ordinance. It's a clean-up to the ordinance. It's, it's a clean-up. Here's, here's my Vote. comment. Mm -hmm. I, I, because I'll, I'll, mention, I'll mention the public notice um, that we put off. I was disappointed to see it wasn't right back at the next meeting. And I also didn't see um, an agenda item for public engagement, which I think you should do them both together somehow knowing when to have a public meeting on a particular issue that generates a lot of interest or some kind of noticed meeting um, that we put on that we don't rely on a third party. So I'm not sh I didn't see that. We've talked about that. And, um, and I don't see public notice here anywhere. So. But, but I don't have a staff report. I mean, that's a council discussion. I don't no, have no, no, a. No. I, I just want you to tell us what your protocol there, is for holding. When do you hold a meeting on an issue of interest, and when don't you? Are we knocking into a discussion of it now? We're going to talk about agendizing now. You're you're absolutely right. That's another discussion item that will take some time, um, because it is something that the council has to decide. What the staff can report is here are our what we do. This is what we do. If it's a land use it gets sent to people within 100 feet we were, and we, we post we it have, at the Gelsons, we have that we have that, list. we have that so, ready to go and so that's the discussion will start with that and then there'll be a discussion with the council as to and whether they feel more. that's I'll talk to you and whether that's uh well, whether I, there's I, something they want and, to change and and then and then from the public works director there was a there's an item that the public works commission approved which is all the public outreach that ever goes out for a public works project now, you and I know that the Park Sorrento was an extraordinary project. Right. And Again, I'm, I want to talk and, about future yeah, agenda items. And so what I want to know is... So, I, so, so, the, this was, this, so the question, my question was, we have several of these items that are going to be, I believe, lengthy discussion items. If we put them, if, if I put them on the next, if I take those three items, I put one of them on the next three agendas, mm -hmm. um, they will be lengthy agendas. I'm okay with that. But these are meetings that we'll, we'll anticipate will go to 11 o'clock at night because of that. If that's okay, then what we will do is we will schedule these items. Uh, I'm, gonna do, I'm not going to put them all on the same agenda. Put them on three separate agendas. But 
they'll and that's, be and, and that's what we're planning. Council protocols it. No, council no. protocols at the next meeting. Right. And then so council protocols we? will be at the next meeting because that'll that'll be that's ready. Then then the um, the, the report that, that uh, Marine had already put together. Yes. And then the third then we'll one will do the uh, that'll give staff time. That gives staff a month or so to put together a staff report on what are the city current ordinance requirements for notice in the city on different types of permits, public works, land use, it's and then we can discuss notices, it. Though. It's not just what's required by law. It's, it's see, see that, that's, why I no, said, no. that's why I said that it's a discussion by council. Right. It's not no, the no. staff saying I, I, that oh, we oh, ought to do it. It's, Mary it's, Sue, I understand. I'm yeah. just asking the staff to give us, you said there's no staff report. There is a staff report. The staff report is here's what we do now. And then the, the discussion is we may want to do all kinds of other things. You may want to uh, amend all the ordinances to add well, all kinds of additional things. Because then it's a requirement. Well, whatever. Um, this is all part of the discussion. In any event, so um, I would like to do a, a workshop. Having worked on the protocols, I do think there's going to be a significant amount of discussion. And uh, I think I that that it's you guys are going to want to spend more time than just say starting around now. Yeah. Okay. Unless you don't really want to. I mean, if you think that we did a good, great job on the protocols and that you're not going to have questions, then maybe so. See, I think those three items are lengthy discussions that th those three could go on a Saturday morning agenda. What's the third one? Um, Which one? Well, the protocols, the report that Marine had done, and the uh, public notice uh, issues. The, the issue of what notice or we give one. on various uh, uh, types of actions. Um, I think, I mean, to me, that's a, you know, that's a half-day workshop for those three. And um, um, so I, that's why I was thinking, that's why I wanted to raise this with you as to how you want to do it. I'm more than willing to do that. Uh, my suggestion was find a Saturday morning, do it, you know, from 9 to noon on Saturday or something. I don't think our schedule's that impacted that we have to have a Saturday workshop. I mean, looking at what's coming up, every, I mean, things are... Well, our regular meetings, I mean, we have an agenda next time that's going to include, that's going to be an agenda till 9, 30, 10 o'clock. Yeah. That before we add any of these items. Correct. Okay, it's going to be an agenda like tonight. And one of the items on the next agenda is going to be this voter outreach issue that we had asked the city clerk to look at, which could also engender discussion. Um, yes, but true. So uh, that's why I was looking ahead to that agenda and already saw that's a 9, 30, 10 o'clock agenda. So do I want to then launch in at 10 o'clock into one of these other three big items that I do want to get to? So that's why I'm raising the issue of, a, of possibly a workshop where we can knock out two or three of these longer items and not have them as late nights. Um, you know, when we had late night meetings, I, I never felt that we did our best work after uh, after 10 o'clock. So um, uh, and especially on an item that does that may that is a discussion item and one where you want to uh, have some back and forth and uh, maybe and we so could forth. limit our presentations at the beginning or start at six because those really seem to be taking a long time too. Well, I mean tonight we were into our agenda in 25 minutes you know when we're through know, all, all right do you guys want to have a saturday meeting or not well or is there an extra you know there's an extra saturday there's an extra wednesday in january oh january 29th uh i would i would oh, i would prefer a, a saturday morning to another wednesday night it's given that we're already booked on the 15th for the state of the city as well yeah um 
I mean, I, I, the Wednesday night would also be okay with me, but I do think a separate meeting for those items will give us a better chance to deal with them correctly. You can try Saturdays, but Saturdays seem to be harder to get people to all be able be available. Well, none of them are urgency kinds of things. I mean, yeah. it's, it's well, it's, we want to get them done, though. I mean, the yeah. protocol but, should be in place. All right. If if the if the if two cho if two choices were Wednesday, uh, January 29th, or Saturday, February 1st, what would be the your preference? Well, I'm not available the first, but can, can we just resolve first whether we want to do the extra meeting? Because if we do, then we can we can have the dates circulated by the clerk and choose it later. We don't have to do well, it tonight. Well, yeah, we could. Okay, uh, let's. Uh, I agree. Let's start with that. Um, put these items on the on the agenda and have later meetings, or uh, or have a separate uh, workshop meeting on these three items. Or start at six. Lucy, you have a preference? Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't have a choice. It was either add these items onto regular agendas and go later on Wednesday night meeting, or uh, have a separate meeting. Um, have a separate meeting. Okay. On a Did, Wednesday or Saturday? No. Nope. Well, I, I, oh, 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 oh. I was trying to Sorry. follow Sorry. James' lead. You're right. David. I'm flexible, but I, it, I think a separate meeting is appropriate. All right. Two for a separate meeting. Separate meeting. Separate meeting. Three for a separate meeting. I'm flexible. Okay. I, I think a separate meeting is a good idea. All right. Saturday or, or, or well, a weeknight? Forget Wednesday for the time being. Saturday or a weeknight? Weeknight. weeknight. I don't care, but I'm going to have to you know, go not tonight and decide because I have to cross-reference some things. All right. Saturday or weeknight? Weekend. Uh, for me, it's Saturday, but I'm yeah. flexible. So. I prefer Saturday, too. <clears throat> the two Jews say Saturday. I guess we're not going to <laughs> Temple, but... Uh... <laughs> oh, a weekend, I meant. I meant a weekend. Yeah, that's... <laughs> um, I can do Saturdays, <laughs> except... <laughs> <laughs> what? I can do Saturday. I go Friday. All right. Do Saturday and then we'll pick and then we'll, we'll right. just choose. I, I have later. to tell you, I think these items, if we're going to take a long time and have, a dis and have more of a discussion, mm -hmm. having a workshop atmosphere on these items mm -hmm. I think is a good idea. Okay. I think these are workshop type items as opposed to more formal meeting type mm -hmm. items. So my preference is for a, a Saturday workshop meeting on these items. Televised or not televised? Televised. Yeah, we Always televised. Televised. Not even, a, not even a question. No. In my opinion, I'm dressing why down. wouldn't you televise All right. it? I, I, there's some strong feelings on that, which I'm happy to go with. So um, televised. Um, so sorry. All right. Um, so I, I'm 25th. happy to try and come to a schedule now if people are willing to do it. Or well, can we? Or or I'm we, happy to have Mari poll everyone, but I want it to be. I want it to be by the end of February. Because so. staff's going to have to be available too, and they're not here. Oh. I mean, some of these things. Right. Oh, yeah. So I don't know. How, we can decide something, and then if a, like a relevant staff member is not here, then it's not going to matter. No, but but if, 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 it, if it morphs into outreach, then you got the whole staff. If it morphs into outreach, and you got anything to do with the library, anything to do with, with media, Planning. anything to do with it. So it's, it's the entire senior staff for whatever meeting uh, you decide to have. I, I don't, I don't mm. know that you need the entire senior staff, but there may be well, several but, members. But, but I'm not, I have to tell you, I'm not worried about the staff. Well, the staff will come on whatever I can't do it pick. February 1st, I can tell you that okay. for sure. February okay. 8th. But must we pick it right now? 
We do not have to pick it right now, but um, I, you know, I just I, w I want it to. I would like to get it scheduled so that we're done with this and we can well, start to get, get everyone. Let's get a couple dates, and James, maybe you can check then. At least consensus up here on two Saturdays. I'm good. The eighth. The eighth is fine. The eighth of February. Is that January twenty-fifth is a Saturday. Twenty-fifth is fine. Uh, Luther King. Uh, it's on the 25th. We have something. MLK is the 20th. That's at night. It's the 20 something. It's the night in the evening. All right, the 25th or the 8th? I think I can do the 25th. I can do either. Excuse me? Is that enough time to get? Yeah, well, two, yes. Okay. Well, so we can Yeah, it should be enough time. February, what was it again? Or 8th, or February 8th. That may be problematic. What, what was the second day for January 25th? Did I hear all five saying January 25th is okay? Yes. Okay. Let's um, wait, wait, schedule. Wait, 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 wait. January 25th is the, is the chambers? At five o'clock, at six o'clock at night. He'd rather not. When we're all you're saying, you're saying in the morning. Oh, okay, yeah. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It'll be from on. nine to noon or, you know, nine o'clock in the morning we're yeah. going to have the meeting. Yeah. All, right, all right, fine, fine, fine. Yeah, 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 we'll yeah. get my hand. Oh, sorry. God. <laughs> what it means is at the end of the dis all this discussion, we'll have cocktails yeah. and dancing and yeah. partying. So what could be better? All right. Um, and tentatively nine or absolutely nine? Uh, I, Do you want to confirm, Tony? Do you want to let us know? Yeah, plan on 9 o'clock on Saturday the 25th. If there's some problem of getting things set up at that time, then we'll let you know. We could do 10, but I'm, I'm just trying to give us enough time to have these discussions. I think it'll... How about 9.30? <laughs> How about 9.30? 9.30? Do you prefer 9.30? Well, I, I, I prefer 9, but if... If, if we start at 10, I might get hungry. We'll get you something to eat. All right. Can, can, we, yeah. can we do this? It's, I mean, this is just dead well, time on the air. Can we do this right. off the air, please? Well, what do you mean do it off the air? Means that the clerk checks with the relevant staff that's needs going to need to be okay. here. Everyone that, plan on nine o'clock on Saturday the twenty fifth, and um, okay. Got it. Uh, and we'll confer, The staff will confirm that everything is available at that time. I, I, I realize it's an unwieldy discussion, but it was I think necessary to get those items scheduled and to get them scheduled quickly so that we can deal with them because they have been sitting on the future agenda items list for a long time. And the, Tony, that. Two of those should be ready to go. The only one that need that will need some staff attention is this issue of public notices of you know what are our rules for giving public notice when there's permits, when there's public works project, when there's permits, etc. And it's it's just reporting what what we do. Okay, that that's all the background we need. The council will take it from there. All right. Um, anything else on the future agenda yes. items list? Yes. On the two twelve. Future agenda. We have Park Sorrento traffic calming update. Uh, I'm not sure I would even title it that way, but I thought we had decided that we were going to have some kind of special notice given to the affected communities so we don't run into the same problem again. And I want it to be more than just sitting on this list. But, but Council Member, look, this is a citywide traffic mitigation. This is not about the Las Villas Homeowners Association. This is a recommendation from the entire CPHA that we approved. We, I, I talked to the mayor about the noticing. We can notice 
anybody who's come to a meeting, we can notice the HOAs, we can notice anybody who was involved in this, but this is, and, and again, I wanna just reiterate, this is a traffic safety device, just like the crossing guards. This is not a, an item to do away with the traffic circles or any of that kind of stuff. This is an update on how they're working. And, and, and that it was not just an update on how it was well, working. Well, that, that's what I'm preparing. It was an update on what action the council may or may not wish to take it, based on community input that but, we did not receive prior to the thing. But this is on my authority, just like the crossing guards. This is the ordinance. The traffic safety devices are mine. Well, I know that, but here's the issue. The community, whether we can, I don't want to get into a debate about whether the community is right or wrong. Yeah, and we can't be getting into a debate right okay, now. Okay, but how is this going to be noticed? Just by having it sit here on the list? A normal noticing, and the HOAs will get a notice. But this, this is not was the original a, this problem. Is, this, is, this is not going to be a letter to every resident. Well, in I don't Calabasas know about this. Why Park. don't we do this? Why don't we Why don't we push that bit back from February until we have our discussion about public noticing and and look at when we have sensitive projects or projects that we know that will generate a lot of community interest, how can we Councilmember, what we ought to do with the city attorney is have a closed session on our agreement with CPHA on the traffic mitigation device. But that wasn't the issue Okay, here. yes it was. No, the, the question that is being proposed now <laughs> is how are we going to notice this future agenda item that's scheduled for 12-2. First of all, we are now scheduled to have a discussion of the notice issue on January 25th. So if there is any... In. What? I think that's where you fold it in. Right. So you, if we can discuss it at that time, and that, that would still be time to do some notice. What Now, I will let you know that the city manager and I discussed this. What we discussed is that we will um, ask, we will send it to the, the HOA, of course. Uh, we will urge them to uh, send it out. We will notify everyone who has notified us. So everyone who has contacted us with the concern about this, everyone who's emailed, everyone who's shown up at a meeting, everyone that we have that has said they're interested, we will specifically uh, notice them. Um, for us to go beyond that at this point, and that, and that is that that takes us outside of the normal thing, and we're all of a sudden we're mailing to everyone getting in this back. community on this, where we haven't done it to other people in other places. And, and, and we're, we're getting back into a debate on an item that no, is not. Yeah, on we're not. We're talking about notice. No. We're only talking well, about notice. What that's, I mean, human nature is to, someone's going to want to respond to that well, and, and begin a debate. And <laughs> okay. I understand where you're trying to go, and, and it's laudable, but it, it's going to trigger further debate of how far or what you should do. Well, but the reason. We did that. Is that's the normal? That's all. That is our current procedure. If, if, if we didn't speak, then it would be the ex, the normal noticing procedures that one will follow the for this and every council oh, meeting. Okay. Right. January. That's can why we can, can we push it, it back to the second in meeting in February? Policy. I mean, the que the question we might change something on the twenty fifth. Yeah. That affects this. Well, right. How how can it affect this? It might, Tony. It might. It might. If council gives direction, it will change how this is done. It's not going to be staff decides not to do the council direction that's given on the 25th. Council members, that's why we need to have a discussion on our agreement that council signed okay, we'll, and, and we'll, gave directions. We'll put to that me. on. We'll put that on. The, we'll put that on. But if we change we're not something, we're now. not going to have time. That's so, my James, concern. if on the 25th the council votes that we're going to do some other kind of notice, we're going to have a blimp or whatever we're going to do. Okay. Um, it's two weeks before the, the hearing on the 12th, where we're already doing all the regular notices. staff will have then, time to implement that. Well. Move it back to the 
then you'll have to change the ordinances of the city that do the noticing okay. procedure, and that's 30 Maybe, days. Maybe I don't know. And we're getting into a again we're getting into a discussion okay. and okay. it's engendering debate on an item um, that's not on the agenda. Okay. Well, if, if council gives direction on the 25th, and staff doesn't have time to do it, there's going to be a problem. And perhaps the the item needs to be pushed uh, uh, to the next uh, meeting after the 12th. Okay. That's what I'm saying. All right. Do you? Uh, Rather than this wait was, this for was, a whole month for this to sit here. You want here. this item to go on the 26th of February instead of the 12th? I think it'd be more productive. I mean, there's the, the only urgency is that we have people that we told that we're going to do this. Well, I'm um, sure they can. And I think we told them at the first meeting in February. So better notice in two weeks so, extra time. Uh, I'm... Uh, you know, we we had made public statements that we were going to do it at the first meeting in February. So I'm, and that's uh, what I have told the HOA president. All right. Correct. You know what? Keep it on the 12th. But I mean, I hope nothing changes on the 25th right. that requires us to move this around because then then it would be a double whammy where we've told people on the 12th it's going to be the 12th, and then we have to start moving things around again. Okay. I think we should leave it on the 12th, and we'll have our discussion the 25th, and then we'll see where it, where it uh, goes from there. Um. Anything else? All right. We have we have completed future agenda items. We have a closed session. Oh, I, I want to know the score. Well, oh. Um, we request a future closed session. We do have a closed session this evening public employee performance evaluation of the city manager. Is there anyone here to speak to the council with regard to the, uh, to, with regard to the closed session? I see no one here to do that. Tonight we are adjourning in memory of Julia Simon. Julie was a wonderful lady. This is um, uh, uh, Carla Perlmutter's mother. Uh, Carla, uh, as many of you know, Carla and Tom Perlmutter live up in um, uh, Mulholland Heights. Uh, Carla was um, past president of the PFC at Chaparral. Uh, just a great Calabas family. Tom was on the um, school site council, uh, the opening school site council for AC, for AC Stell. And uh, um, Carla's mom passed uh, last month and uh, they were unable to attend tonight, but we are adjourning in memory of Julia Simon. Uh, any other business come before the council? Seeing none, uh, motion to adjourn. We'll be recessing to closed session. A motion to recess into closed session. So moved. It's been moved and seconded. All those in favor, say aye. 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 We are in recess to closed session.